Hello everyone, and welcome back once again to the Over Manga Cast. That time we woke up in a podcast and had to explain manga, our heated adventures, overanalyzing manga that we find interesting. And on this episode, we're continuing our little adventure into the summer anime season by taking a look at the prologue of Lucifer and the Biscuit Hammer by Satoshi Mizukami. We read chapters 1 through 16, so stay tuned and enjoy the show. Hello everyone, and welcome back to the Over Manga Cast. My name is Sam, and as always here at the top of the show, we talk about our familiarity with the uh, franchise that we read this week. Uh, for me, this was uh, one that I had heard it was getting an anime, and I knew that people who knew about the manga were excited about that. And I thought, oh, that's a weird title for something. I'm kind of intrigued just by how weird that title is. It sounds really quirky. I might check it out one day. And now it is uh, one day, and here we are. Matt, how about you? Uh, so actually, I read all of this in college. So this is, uh, this is a revisit for me. I'm going to be honest, I don't remember a lot of it. I read a lot of things in college that quickly entered my head and left just as quickly. Basically everything, like, involving economics. <laughs> uh, having lived with Matt in college, I can attest to uh, this fact. No idea what money is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, Lucifer and the Biscuit Hammer, that sounds like a light novel. Is that a light novel? Yeah, I've never heard of this. I've never heard anything <laughs> about this. <laughs> well, it's not a light novel. It is a manga. And uh, it starts off... Uh, about how you'd expect something called Lucifer and the Biscuit Hammer to start with a crazy non sequitur that doesn't really make sense. Yes. Protag Kun, Yuhi Amamiya, waking up one morning and there is a lizard in his room. And uh, that's page one. And that's how I knew we were off to a great start. And then the lizard said that his name was New Crescent. It is his duty to defend the, his lady from an evil wizard who seeks to destroy the planet. And he needs uh, our protag's assistance on this. To which he promptly refuses. All real by the numbers. Yuhi looks out the window and comments, It was a nice day outside. <laughs> and honestly, that's how I knew I was going to like this main character. <laughs> he, Yuhi is a guy who has been thrown into a very stereotypical plot. With the twist being he wants nothing to do with it. <laughs> like... Yeah, no, he has the reasonable, relatable reaction of, I don't know how to fight, ask somebody else. He is refusal like, of the call of the character. His reluctant hero, and then there is Yuhi, who's just like, no, I do not want to be involved with this at all. Like, he tries to throw New away, like, out the window away multiple times. It doesn't work. <laughs> He keeps teleporting back in, practically onto, uh, practically sometimes, and often literally onto uh, Yuhi's back. Well, for reasons that will be explained later, but they are uh, mystically linked together and cannot be too far apart. And not in a, if they're too far apart, they die sense. In a, they literally cannot be too far apart. It is a physical impossibility, at least as far as we know. I think they get sick when they're too far apart. He wants nothing to do with this lizard or this quest, so he picks him up by the tail and says, you are going to stop being such a little weirdo, or I'm not letting you down. Don't, don't lift me by my tail, that's very disrespectful. You lift puppies up by their tail when you need to disobey, uh, to- Or when they, to discipline them. When, yeah, and I'm just like, what? No, you don't, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> 
that, that doesn't feel right. <laughs> it's very much not. <laughs> we learned that Yuhi has a very skewed perspective when it comes to how uh, discipline works, mostly due to his own experience. But uh, we will we will get to that. For now, he is just uh, living with the fact that there is a lizard on his shoulder that only he can see and talk to, according to said lizard, which uh, is always a great indicator of one's mental health as he <laughs> goes off to college. Yeah, for, for most of it, he's like, either you're real and my life is at risk and that sucks a lot, or I've gone crazy, which is not great, but it's technically the thing I'd prefer. <laughs> In being given this responsibility, he also has a superpower he's given. Uh, he has a very JoJo's tier-specific telekinesis. The Holding Field, which is revealed to him by New after he goes about his day and he, you know, has his uh, college class. Because uh, he is a college student, which is a little bit different from your standard uh, shonen pro tag. Yeah, it's usually high school because Japan... Mm -hmm. Or drop out because Japan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Either or. But yeah, New is like, yeah, with the ring on your middle finger, you can uh, focus on it to create the holding field, which is a uh, telekinetic power that you can uh, use to manipulate the world around you. And then his hot professor asks him why he's talking to himself. And he says, oh, nothing. And she walks away and he's like, hmm, telekinetic field, huh? Skirt flip. A standard uh, thing for him to do. Uh, you know, it, it's, it's interesting because like he does that sort of thing every now and again. And sometimes it happens because manga. But the consistent response he always has is to plainly, matter-of-factly, to the woman's face, say the kind of panties that she's wearing and then proceed to uh, graciously receive the pummeling that comes next. <laughs> I don't know, there's something kind of... My man thinks he's in a romantic harem comedy. Like, he's behaving <laughs> as if the logic of that universe were true to him. And I think the comedy in that is that's not what's happening. Uh-huh. <laughs> Or he also just doesn't seem to care. Like he does the skirt flip. His his professor, uh, Asahina, turns to him and goes, "Did you see?" And he just gives her a thumbs up, like <laughs> totally blank expression on his face. He's like, "Yep, sure did." What are you gonna do about a punch? Okay. See, that's the thing. the The way I read it is that it's like, uh, you know, he gives the thumbs up, but it's like, yes. Yes, I did. You may hit me now. Like, I, I see it more as a he is accepting of the consequences of his stupid actions. <laughs> like, I don't know. I, fi I find that kind of endearing. He's very matter of fact. Like, it's skeezy, but there's an honesty to it that you're like, well, at least at least he's not a lying creep. Yeah, he's he is willingly accepting the pummeling that naturally comes next. I, You know, there's something about that that I appreciate. I, I don't know. There's a level of honesty that takes the edge off it, but uh, his honesty continues into uh, straight up telling New that uh, I don't give a damn about your quest. I'm not doing this. I'm not participating in it. I don't care. But the planet will be destroyed if you don't participate in the thing. Okay. I, I don't. I don't care. This is an acceptable outcome to me. You're not really incentivizing me any. Like, it's, it's planet Earth. All your stuff is here. <laughs> Everyone else is going to die. So why do I have to work hard? Bunch of freeloaders. <laughs> that is his uh, philosophy as he uh, 
just walks out uh, to go and get some food from a convenience store when suddenly the presence of the enemy is detected. In um, this manga's favorite way of uh, describing, uh, visually uh, describing the killing intent of the the evil wizard's golems uh, by having swords appear and randomly stab our main characters. I also kind of like how the first golem that is encountered New is able to sense it far enough away that Yuhi can kind of react to it. Every other one, Yuhi's response is, why didn't you sense that one sooner? Because <laughs> they're always like 10 feet away from him by the time they realize one's there. Yeah, one of them is literally on the other side of a glass of like a magazine rack. And it's just like staring at me a foot away. How did you miss that one? <laughs> I don't know. New seems very... um Incompetent. Incompetent, yeah. I don't, I, I never thought I'd uh, live to see the day I would describe a lizard as uh, Chuni, but he kind of is. He <laughs> talks an incredibly big game for how helpful he isn't. <laughs> uh, Yuhi now has to fight a golem, uh, which uh, he finds out very quickly he can't do. His power is not for combat. Really, the only ones capable of fighting alone are the princess, the invisible Hresvelger, and Unicorn. And, uh... Well, we meet the princess. We don't know about those last two. Yeah, invisible and Hesvelger are two separate things. Oh, you're, oh, you're right. There's commas there. There's three mythic knights and then the princess. I can see why you'd be confused because how they're named are three completely different naming structures. <laughs> yeah, and uh, with Hesvelger there, I'm, I'm just expecting Edelgard from Fire Emblem to show up and chop one of them in half, but. Uh, Oh, see, I, I was expecting a, a, a giant aerial battleship uh, to bomb the Ustio holdout air force. Excellent. Two obscure references. <laughs> Gotta love it. Yeah, but uh, the golem, all these golems are ugly sons of uh, It It looks like an upright fish, sort of. Some of them have a bit of a flounder look to them, I think. Basically just molded clay with eyes is kind of the vague shape they are. With somewhere between one and three eyes, I think, and a mouth that is almost always in the wrong place. Mm -hmm. It's one of those, it's one of those, like, um, it's not scary because it's grotesque. It's scary because it's a combination of too simple and the things are just slightly out of place. Indeed. And uh, it goes to uh, stab our boy, but he manages to use his holding field to telekinesis himself to leap over and uh, continue his flight for his life. But uh, mere instants before the blade of the golem can uh, sever him from his vital forces, a, uh, a young girl, the same one that we neglected to mention, was his neighbor uh, during the morning when he threw New out into the forest, appears... And with a mighty punch, obliterates the golem. Mm -hmm. And uh, Yuhi, when he is informed that she is the princess, uh, his immediate reaction is, so I'm supposed to protect her. Well, his immediate yes. reaction was the force of the blow uh, sent her skirt flying up. So he describes her panties, which earns him a kick in the face. Mm hmm. Yeah, this, this is where that, that uh, becomes a pattern. And, and uh, again, to me, it really does feel like uh, it's like, uh, huh, I got a good view. I will now accept the, the, uh, the violence that I deserve. <laughs> Bunny rabbit. No one asked you. <laughs> yeah, the, uh, the very important distinction that he is the knight supposed to protect her. 
when uh, she is a uh, gag manga tier punch it and it dies level character. Yeah, and it's also at this point that um, I think the lizard tells him, like, by the way, one punch from one of those golems would completely kill you. Like, the, the scale of power here is not in your favor in any way. Yeah, like, you, would, oh, cool. you would disintegrate. So I'm going to continue not participating in this nonsense. Bye. <laughs> why, why am I supposed to be here again? You haven't explained that. Semi Dare, usually referred to as Sammy, she really seems to like the idea of Yuhi being involved in all of this. It starts off as, as a sort of Yankee girl kind of thing where she tries to uh, uh, bubbly and with a smile convince him to do the thing. But that's not good enough. You can't manic pixie dream girl your way out of this. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was going to say she can't guess like keep girl boss her way out of this one, but she sort of does. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Her method of encouraging uh, Yuhi to engage into the fight is um, she takes him to the top of the school, the top of the college, and she says, yeah, I completely trust you to help me win this battle. I see the potential in you literally why you saved me in that last battle no i think you can do it in fact i'm gonna show you how much i trust you and she throws herself off the top of the building a perfectly normal and rational decision uh, it's going well <laughs> and uh you he is able to telekinesis them he he jumps up to catch her and then telekinesis is both of them down this telekinesis i think we get told at some point has like a weight limit of three pounds he can easily maneuver everything else he's just stopping from falling desperately <laughs> and he only has like five seconds worth of holding but that's only currently mm -hmm. and he, he has the rather clever idea of well so long as he can create bursts of telekinetic force fast enough he can subtract force faster than gravity can add it and land safely which i think is pretty cool it's a little step stool approach the thing that we've been introduced up to this point is that the uh, the telekinesis is functionally like a muscle the more he uses it the more powerful it will become and and he is rather uh against the idea of uh <laughs> effort at any level yeah also, guys, I just re realized we completely forgot the main point of going up to the school roof. They introduced one of the titular characters. There's yep. a giant hammer floating in space. Yeah, <laughs> the biscuit hammer. It is, it's huge. It looks like a sledgehammer you'd buy at Home Depot, except it's the size of a freaking planet. I think they explain why it's called the biscuit hammer. I don't know if that gets elaborated on any further. I know that. I explained it at some point. I don't think it happened in the reading. I think at one point in the narration, Yuhi describes it as it can smash a planet like a pastry, but I think he's the only one that says that in our reading. So yeah, that's the closest it, to an explanation that I heard. It, mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a hammer that smashes cookies. Like a planet, like a cookie. <laughs> yeah. It's a biscuit hammer. Like a planet is a ball of dough. I generally speaking enjoyed this and it, honestly it was pretty hard to stop reading at our uh, uh cutoff point but i will say the one thing that i i did find kind of the only thing i found kind of irksome is that the series seems to tend to make a lot of leaps like a lot of logic leaps and it feels like it can just go full non sequitur this is probably the least egregious example of that sort of thing one of the things that i noticed a lot is i don't think that the paneling is that great 
because uh, sometimes like like where the speech bubbles are, are placed will make it hard to follow conversations because they'll sometimes break the normal rules of, you know, w what order you read speech bubbles in. Um, and then there yeah. are also some other cases. It'll also kind of do that a little bit narratively where it's like, did I miss a page? I feel yeah, like there's there's context here. So that's a thing, actually, that's a little bit different with how Western comics and uh, manga does speech bubbles. Is typically in Japanese, language is a bit more defined by the speaker. So, like, it's less important to get your speech bubbles very clearly read, because normally you can contextualize who's saying the sentence based on, like, their word choice. Unfortunately, <laughs> that's not as clear sometimes. That doesn't translate super well. Well, no, the trouble for me is there was at least two cases where, um, and I don't even remember exactly where there, there were, but there were two egregious cases that I noticed where almost always in every comic book everywhere in the world, the order in which the words are said out loud is top to bottom. And there were at least two cases where that was flipped. The, the thing that had to have been said first was on the lower speech bubble. So, like, I, 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 it's one of those ones where, like, you know, I, I don't know authors. I try not to know authors. I don't know if this was a uh, early work by this person and that that was, you know, like, like this is, a, you know, ironing out the kinks of, of, you know, getting into the swing of things. Or if it's just some early installment weirdness. Like, like it, even the narrative non sequiturs, I, like, I could, I could feel where the connective tissue was supposed to be and get a vague idea of what it was supposed to be. But like, I did want to express my one prop because it's like, it's right about here when I start to notice the, these little things. And it's like, it's technical stuff. It's narrative stuff. It's usually not character stuff unless it's directly tied into the plot. But like, there's those little points where it feels like there's stuff that's out of order or missing. And that's really the only thing that I didn't like about it. And whilst it was pervasive enough for me to notice, it didn't, you know, break it at any point for me. Yeah, for me overall, the paneling was a little difficult to follow at times. I, I didn't have so much trouble with it that it like impacted the experience for me, mainly because the art in this is really nice. Mm, yeah, it, it's consistently very high quality. Yeah, the art and, is definitely a, a high point of it. like it's not mm -hmm. it's not like one of the best that we've seen, but it, for Shonen series, it looks really good. Yeah, it has a style and it sticks to it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Especially the eyes. I love the way this manga does eyes. They're incredibly expressive. They're very expressive. And actually, I think that's a big part of the reason why I was able to mentally fill in the gaps that I noticed. Because things like expressions will actually do a lot of the work to carry over that problem. It almost, it almost feels to me like maybe it's a kind of mistake that I know that I make when I try to write sometimes. Where I know what I mean, so I'll leave a detail out not realizing mm. that it's only obvious to me because I'm writing the damn thing, you know? <laughs> yeah, a classic. I feel like that might be potentially a part of it, but I don't I, I don't think I've seen enough to know for sure that, because, like, to some extent, it also almost feels, like, in some places it feels at least semi-intentional, so I do kind of wonder if it builds whole, to something. I mean, the whole story is pretty surreal. You, you wake up yeah, one morning, yeah. there's a lizard in your bed, and it only gets crazier from there. Particularly because uh, after rescuing Sammy from falling off of the building, uh, she says, we are going to leap into the sky and knock the biscuit hammer away from threatening the earth. Also, I can destroy it with my fist! We get introduced to the other titular character, uh, the Lucifer. 
Yep. <laughs> <laughs> she has a pointy tooth grin on her face. She commands uh, Yuhi to swear fealty to her. And he's like, yep, okay, fine. Works for me. <laughs> By your command, my lady. You've made sense. <laughs> new, new is completely scared of less. <laughs> Meanwhile, Yuhi is like, all right, defining tie activated. I will uh, do whatever you say. Yuhi's uh. not admitting it at this moment, but he has unlocked a fetish. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, pretty overtly. That's basically in the text. That's not even a joke. There, there's an entire arc of the manga of getting him to admit that he has feelings for her. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, it takes multiple dream sequences, which I'm always a fan of. So I was very much about it. Uh, speaking of dream sequences, uh, the next chapter kicks off with Yuhi having a nightmare. Another one of my personal favorites as uh he, he's basically doing the last time on Dragon Ball Z, uh, remembering the scene of him swearing fealty to uh, Semidare, and uh, it's interrupted by a shadowy figure repeating his name and draping him in chains. Uh, he, with a very terrified expression on his face, uh, sa uh, says, Grandpa? And then uh, New promptly wakes him up like, I'm not your grandpa, get out of bed, loser. <laughs> you, uh, you told me to wake you up at whatever time it was. It's that time. You're going for a jog. As, uh, Yuhi has realized he is very out of shape. And if, you know, he's going to serve the princess, he needs to be well in shape as a knight. So they're going jogging together. Yeah. <laughs> I, think he, I think he initially chooses to jog on his own independently, but he, uh, he bumps into Sammy doing the same thing. And, uh, it becomes a, a regular morning routine for them. <laughs> she uses him as a training weight while doing push-ups. Yeah, in case you didn't know, Sammy was super strong now. Uh, she does like a <laughs> hundred push-ups with, uh, with him on her back. Like, <laughs> Okay, okay, now it's your turn. And he does 15 regular push-ups and collapses in exhaustion. <laughs> uh, goes back to uh, Asahina household for uh, breakfast. And because he's a creep, uh, uh, goes like, oh, no, the bathroom's the far right wall. <laughs> like, there's a whole mental checklist of um, Sammy telling him, yeah, the bathroom is literally the last door. Go into that one. He's just like, hmm, so there are two doors. And News even like, no, it's definitely the one on the <laughs> right. Like, there's no confusion. There's here. no like, ambiguity but, here. But then that would mean the one on the left is the changing room. And if I accidentally open opening it up and then sister's in there yeah who by the way i don't know if we mentioned this yet is his professor from college i the one who he did the i don't flip on. know if he knew that which he, is weird the three of them met outside because they're neighbors like mm -hmm. at the end of like chapter one or two and this is three so by this point he knew that was her sister but he didn't know that until now he he didn't even really uh have any kind of meaningful conversation with Sammy up until chapter two. Well, obviously you can't ever talk to anyone or make any connections. Uh-huh. Which yeah, uh, we'll get to that. <laughs> yeah, he opens up the, the wrong door, air quotes, uh, gets slapped again, and uh, explains that uh, he's just here for breakfast. Don't worry, I'm not doing anything untoward immediately after doing something untoward. <laughs> yeah, then he basically just gets uh, grilled by the sister. Who is who is very protective of of Sammy? 
Uh, mm -hmm. They make sescon jokes, but uh, it really, at least thus far, has just been she's very protective. So uh, let's keep it that way. Do they? Maybe I missed it. I don't. I don't. I, I don't think it. they did. When uh, New asks why uh, Sammy's older sister is acting that way, he says she's a sescon, but that's about as far as the. Oh, joke so goes. he makes the Siscon joke, yeah. Oh, yeah, it, it, it's Yuhi being a little weirdo. Yeah, he's being, yeah, no, yeah, that, that's what I was saying. They make the Siscon joke, but that doesn't seem to be where the manga is going. Let's keep it that way. Well, no, like, every, a bunch of times in this manga, characters make references to things the manga's like, that's, that's not happening. We're not doing that, yeah. <laughs> we should do this generic fantasy story. The characters. No, we're we're not doing that. We're gonna do something else. We're doing a rom com, or maybe a coming of age story. Like the mangaka is just sitting down at a D and D table. He's like, guys, I planned out this really cool fantasy Sentai adventure. You're basically gonna be knights of the zodiac trying to fight off an evil wizard. What if we were the bad guys? And also rom com, G guys. Rom -com? Can we not? <laughs> yeah, we're gonna go. We're going to start jogging together and then go on a date. P please, there's a there's literally a giant hammer hanging over the world about to destroy it. Well, I'll destroy it. Fine. No, guys, stop. <laughs> <laughs> Yuhi is going about his his day and he's thinking that, you know, as much as I don't want to be a part of this entire plot, uh, it's not too bad hanging out with uh, my lady and, uh, well, to, to an extent, her older sister. Uh, I'm I'm actually getting some social interaction, and imagine that. And then he is coated in chains again that stretch into the darkness. And he's like, Grandpa, don't interfere. <laughs> Something good is happening to me for once. As he is getting dragged away, Sammy with... It's one of those ones where it's like, she has physical super strength, but she is also just an extremely strong personality, just casually walks into his dream. And snaps the chains like they're nothing. <laughs> because that's just the way that she is. Yep. It's something that they they sort of like talk around at first. And this is something that the manga does pretty regularly. Introduce an idea and then uh, explore it more deeply over time. Almost immediately, Yuhi's like, I'd rather her chains than yours, Grandpa. So like he basically just says out loud the metaphor that gets explored later, which is an interesting way of structuring the story. I I love how this like story just doubles down on metaphors and it's just like, ah, uh, yes, my grandfather's like judgment is like a chain upon my heart. Oh, wait, no, they're physical chains. Oh, wait, no, I'm actually being weighed down to the ground. Oh, no, <laughs> this girl has entered my dreams to break my physical chains so that I may fly. <laughs> Guys, I'm lost in the metaphor now. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. <laughs> It is, it is uh, many, many a layer deep. <laughs> it's the Marianas Trench over here. <laughs> I mean, Sam, you said it earlier. This manga is very surreal. Like, it mm -hmm. will just transition straight into a dream without even, like, real explanation for why the character is asleep. But, like, you just get, like, that gradient of the background becoming black, and you're like, well, no, we're in a dream now. I guess we're sleeping. Okay. Yeah, that's part of the reason why I was uh, thinking that at least a good chunk of, if not most of the places where I had problems with the with the non sequiturs, it was an attempt at that that didn't quite land, I think. But yeah, he wakes up and uh, 
he's relatively committed at this point to, you know, doing the thing. Well, at this point, the thing is defeating the Biscuit Hammer solely so that his, uh, his lady can destroy the planet. Because, uh, as she puts it, she wants to destroy the planet because she loves it. And uh, she wants to take it with her when she dies. Which, um, yeah, that's, uh, that's a take, all right. <laughs> it might be the giant heavy-handed metaphor of familial trauma that just happened, but it seems kind of nice when she says that. It's only on looking back at this discussion, like, wait, no, that's equally bad. Uh <laughs> <laughs> this is actually one of the really good examples of where... The way that she describes it uh, to Yuhi in the second chapter when she just drops this the first time, it feels like a complete non sequitur. It feels completely out of left field, but it's done with a kind of intention, and then later on, it it gets explained in more detail. And there, there are two places where the story does this sort of thing, and it just, like, nails it like right out of the park her motivation is one of them it requires a lot of trust in the audience because when she initially says that what are you supposed to take from that you know you kind of have to trust that the story is going somewhere with it eventually it does pay off that you know yes we're going somewhere with that it's a very risky but very very rewarding uh style of storytelling that you don't see very often especially mm -hmm. not in like big budget you know, I mean, like, manga isn't, you know, the biggest budgeted thing ever, but, like, this is a professionally made manga with somebody's job on the line, you know, it had to sell and all. Brave choice for a serialized medium, at the very least. Yeah. This was absolutely week-to-week -week releases. For a uh, professionally made serialized series, it is a risky call to bet everything on people taking your word for it that I'm going somewhere with this. Um, oh, yeah. And I really appreciated it, because... Like I said, it doesn't always pay off. There are some cases where I feel it it misses the mark, but the there are just two big moments that I'm not going to stop raving about forever. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll get to those. Uh, at this point, uh, Yuhi has only really started to um, uh, get serious about, um, you know, getting stronger and, and doing things right. Because the big thing at this point is uh, it, he's basically decided, I can't fight. So I'm just going to fly my lady up to the biscuit hammer with my uh, telekinesis. And then and, she can do the work. And then that's going to be my job for this whole event. There is cat TM in box TM floating down river TM. It is that <laughs> scene. You know the one. <laughs> and he's like, well, I've got this telekinesis. So pick up cat plank onto river or plank onto, uh, uh, onto, onto the uh, shore. riverbank. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Goodbye, kitty. Huh, I thought you had ice in your veins. Well, I think my lady might like cats, so there you go. <laughs> but unfortunately, there was someone watching this happen. There was a witness to his power. There were unforeseen consequences to this. <laughs> I should kill all witnesses. What? <laughs> <laughs> well, we're not quite there yet. But um, a, uh, a fellow uh, college student uh, witnessed his display of mystic power and so came up to him in the library and said, hey, you're Amamiya, right? Uh, yeah, that's me. Hey, so uh, are you currently in a relationship? No, not really. All right, cool. Let's get married. I'm, I'm sorry, what? Who are you? The only thing that that omits as a direct quote from the manga is um she also asks if he's interested in anybody and uh, as matt mentioned there's a whole arc about yuhi accepting that uh 
that he likes uh semidare so <laughs> actually is the beginning of it is this thing basically yeah I refuse to marry you. Then let's get engaged. No. Uh, yeah, she, she gets talked down, and this girl knows what she wants and is willing to accept any compromise, and I, I can respect the hustle. <laughs> she literally gets haggled down to a single date to go see a movie. Which she gets. He's just like, fine, I guess. And she's like, cool. And then, to my girl's credit, she haggles up that date from just a movie to spending the entire day together. So... Yeah. Fast talking. Gotta respect it. That's the foot in the door school of negotiation right there. Yeah. <laughs> we basically get the conclusion of this uh, little date is um she saw him have superpowers and she reveals her motivation is she's always wanted to be married to a superhero. She doesn't come up much, but we should at least say her name is uh, Hiwatari. Yeah, she she is an entirely comedy-based character, uh, at least in so far as uh, the uh, 16 it. chapters that we read. Yeah, uh, one, of, one of my favorite panels, just again from the eyes being so expressive and the art quality, is uh, Yuhi being like, hmm, so she saw me use my power then. How should I dispose of her? New is what? completely horrified. There's literally no reason to do that. <laughs> we're, we're saving humanity. It actually doesn't matter if they know we can do that. In fact, it might be a good thing. No, we can't have there be any witnesses. They might try and stop the princess. Why? <laughs> what is wrong with you, kid? Well, I've got this whole thing with my grandpa, but that's the next dark, so we'll get that. <laughs> Our lady wants uh, the whole planet for herself, right? So if you kill someone, you're damaging her property. Eh, I guess you're right about that. Okay, I won't kill her then. Okay, that was not the direction I thought I'd have to go to talk him down, but what the hell? <laughs> uh, the little lizard angel on his shoulder, I guess. But anyway, he can... He uh, After this little heart-to-heart uh, -heart with his lizard companion, he decides to go ahead and get to the end of the date he has agreed to go on just because... Tommy told him it would be a good idea, so he blindly followed whatever she said. Um, unfortunately, as their um, my girl's motivation for what to do next is go to a hotel and bold play. <laughs> you might remember from last week the uh, the implied consequences <laughs> of such an action. <laughs> but uh, unfortunately, they are interrupted. Also, they were never going to a hotel. Uh, he does not <laughs> want to do that. But they were going somewhere, and they are in interrupted by a golem so you he's like well gotta dip and runs to the river in this chapter or in this little arc he decided that he wanted to uh hone his power to the point where he could leap across the entire river as a first stepping stone in his growth to leap all the way up to the biscuit hammer uh unfortunately he uh can do no such thing at this point and it's about to be ripped apart by the golem when uh thankfully uh, Sammy is on the other side of the river, notices this happening, and uh, Hulk jumps her way across and uh, obliterates. Oh, throws a van at him. Uh, you're right, I misremembered. She does not Hulk jump. She picks up a car and yeets it at the golem. Then she Hulk jumps over and axe kicks it into oblivion. Yeah, because there's a there's a whole bit of uh, uh, oh no, I can't get away. Look, she's right there, and then the 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 shot widens to show she's on the other side of the river. <laughs> mm -hmm. Well, that's a problem. 
It, it is a uh, <laughs> it's a great comedy beat for what is objectively a very life and death situation. It does a lot to make light of the threat of the golems, which this story plays with a lot. Like mm -hmm. it will it will do everything it can to and will often succeed in making you forget how serious and dangerous the golems are by having like comedy beats with them or by having Sammy just obliterate them in a single shot. And then it will use that, you know, lapse in recognition of their threat to remind you how serious they are. And the one thing I will say about the uh, Lucifer and the Biscuit Hammer is it's really because uh, we talked about the art style earlier. And one thing I really love about it is it's very cute with its big expressive mm -hmm. eyes and mm -hmm. it pulls you into a false sense of security thinking, oh, look at this cute little fantasy series. <laughs> look, we had an entire arc about going on a date, and then at the end of the date, you got to go like, well, it turns out there is someone. We're not dating, but I'm kind of indebted to her as like a knight to a lady. And she's just like, oh, that's cool. And I'm just like, oh, what a cute little beat. This cute story. I hope cute things keep happening. Oh, wait, what's the next arc? Uh <laughs> <laughs> what's the next arc oh yeah dealing with trauma excellent uh also i love how uh the end of the chapters have uh characters dressing up in different characters outfits yeah <laughs> it's it started with sammy dressing like her older sister and uh appearing uh very smart as a result and then uh the reverse poor, and poor, uh poor professor she dresses up as her little sister and it does not work he's not happy about the length of the skirt <laughs> <laughs> not happy about anything it's a very tight outfit yeah that's true yeah. too and then the third one is uh yuhi dressing up as the professor which is uh an interesting image <laughs> he's he, ex he's extremely blasé about it and honestly uh, uh, there's several times where i said i didn't expect this manga to be so based that's one of them <laughs> oh that's pretty based like <laughs> I, you gotta respect that <laughs> After uh, the little uh, dress-up scene, uh, going into the next chapter, poor Yuhi is still trying to train up his strength, and he's doing that by trying to dodge uh, Simidare's punches, and it's not really working. She keeps He keeps not getting out of the way even close to in time, so she has to pull the punch, and the shockwave blows him about six feet away. We're still a little bit in gag manga mode to uh, lull you into a false sense of security before... Actually, I'm not quite sure what the transition is, but the, the, the big thing is that Yuhi jumping the full length of the river. Basically, he fails dodging and he feels like he's not up to the challenge. So he's going on this challenge on his own, like, no, I'll just do it and prove it that I'm not like holding her back. Unfortunately, he falls in the middle of the river, which is the worst place to fall in a river. And yeah. when he finally swims to the outside, he has caught a cold. And is bedridden uh, as uh, Sami uh, has to um, watch over him. During his uh, really layered metaphor fever dream. <laughs> yeah, because he, he has a dream of when he jumped in the water, the chains of his grandfather were pulling him down. And I'm like, oh, okay. The literal metaphor is, uh, is drowning him now. And he was brought out of that dream by Sami's touch. Like... It, it is the most literal, non-literal thing you'll ever see. <laughs> he flashes back to, uh, in a large way, basically explaining why his character is the way that it is. We get really, really strong line. It's so well written in that it's such a vile thing. It's one of those ones where it's like, uh, like inverse inspiring, I guess. Yeah, and it's something Yuhi's like refusing to talk about. 
Like, he's like, I'm not telling you. I'm not telling you. Well, why? He's like, is this a command? Because he's basically saying, unless you order me to tell you this, I am not reliving this. And then she's like, well, fine. I guess I command you to tell me. And we get the flashback to why you he's like this. I love how it like there is no attempt to make it make sense. Yeah, yeah, from Yuhi's perspective, it is just cruel. We do get more details and context over the course of it because there is an actual reason for it. But the simple fact of the matter is this is just an evil thing that someone awful did to him. Yeah, and basically what happened was a uh, little 10-year-old you well, actually you know it was 10 years ago and he is 18, 18. so he's eight so so eight-year-old you <laughs> even better a friend brought a friend home from school and grandpa was like what the f are you doing bringing a friend in my house you live in the basement now wrapped in chains and i'm like what the f it's it's so mind-boggling it's i can't come up with an appropriate hyperbole for it it's already so extreme the justification his grandpa gives is the thing i was sort of uh, talking around before that I want to say it's my favorite line from the thing, but it's like, it's one of those ones how like, you know, if your favorite character is the villain sort of situations where uh, he says, never make enemies, they'll stab you in the belly, never make friends, they'll stab you in the back. Live alone. It is such a brilliant line in all the wrong ways. <laughs> it, it, it's one of the two things that has stuck with me wrongly since uh, reading. One of the ways it affected me, it, for a little bit of uh, comparative analysis, is I've mentioned a few times on the podcast that uh, my favorite uh, book series is Dresden Files. And slight spoilers for a relatively early book, but the main character is uh, cursed by an enemy to die alone. And that is not treated as something light. That's not treated as something that is... A minor issue. A minor issue. A two-bit sorcerer throwing out a bit of bad mojo to be spiteful at the end. No, it is a powerful doom put over his head. And as the later the series gets, the more and more allies he loses, the more loved ones perish in the course of the plot and Harry's destiny. Every time it comes up again, die alone it, this feels so much like a similar moment and i i haven't you know obviously i haven't read enough of lucifer and the biscuit hammer to know if uh, a similar arc is being done here but uh there's a moment later on that really uh just brought the two to my mind as uh well you he will lose an ally but we'll get to that a little later in the episode one of the things that's kind of the most painful about all of it is Yuhi intellectually knows that's wrong. Yuhi intellectually is like, I'm not going to let you do that. Like, he says that all the time. But you can tell from the way that he acts that he has been basically subconsciously accepting that for years. It's so painful because, like, the, the extremity of it is certainly not a common thing, but there's such a there's such a natural and real, especially when we get some of the context of why this happened in the first place, it feels like something that could happen, you know, in all of the surreality, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's one of those moments that grounds the series in a kind of uh, real-life pain that, that makes the uh, surreality land as intended. Yeah, like maybe actually not physical chains, but like it's not a 
leap in logic to go, oh, well, the chains could just very easily be metaphor. They're metaphorical in this, but still physical, but like... And it, yeah, like, like it's it's literally binding in chains is a bit extreme for the real world, but like the kind of the kind of isolation he's subjected to, that's something that abusers will do to their victims. We uh, we neglected to mention this got brought up because while he was uh, out sick, uh, there was a call about his grandfather uh, from his aunt actually uh, is in the hospital, uh, does not have long to live. He's uh, basically on his deathbed. So that's why Sammy basically asked, hey, why are you why are you lying to them saying you're going to go there? You're not going because you you're too busy. Like, you're not too busy. We hang out all the time. We're not doing anything. And then I got your backstory. And my girl, Sammy, her immediate reaction is, oh, cool. You want me to kill him? Like, just don't <laughs> anything that gets in your way. Like, no, like she just straight up goes like, oh, is this something that makes you feel bad? I can make it go away. Your abusive grandfather? I'll put him in the <laughs> ground. Nothing's going to stop me. <laughs> you know nothing will stop me. It's not even a situation of if I kill him, will you swear fealty to me harder or anything? Like, it's not even about that. She just wants to do a solid for her friend by killing his grandpa. <laughs> like, I, no, I don't actually want you to murder him. That's that's more effort <laughs> than I want to put into this situation. <laughs> I'd like to be I'd like to be passively distanced from this issue, not actively. God, I, I love the paneling in that moment. Uh she says if tell me if you want some to be rid of something, I will annihilate it. If something hurts you, I'll completely crush it with my fist. And the the paneling there is just a giant version of her hand scooping a city out of the ground, crushing it, and then dropping the crumbling bits of stone to the earth. And and new sees this and is terrified. Immediate next panel, extremely tender bedside manner scene. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, like it, it really does kind of um, you know, this is one of the cases where it's like it fills in a bit of the gaps of one of those non sequiturs where the reason why Yuhi was so willing to accept uh, Semidare's uh, motivation was because. That agreement had already sort of been like subconsciously made. She's just vocalizing it now. And from Yuhi's perspective, the thing that's currently hurting him is the world. Like he he hates the state of the world. And it's it's one of those ones where it's like, if you stop to think about it, if you say it out loud, he'd probably realize how ridiculous that is. But he's not in an emotional place where he can do that right now. Mm -hmm. And then because this manga loves its metaphors... After he gets better and has had that like heart to heart with um, Sammy about like, you know, maybe maybe I, I do want to move on from this and I want to keep things holding me down like away. He jumps the river, the thing that at the beginning he failed to do because his grandpa was holding him down saying you can't fly. And he's just like, I'm going to jump over whatever the hell I want, grandpa. Yeah, he's able he's able to overcome the uh, literal chain metaphor. Yep. <laughs> However, that works. Also, overcoming the little chain metaphor is also him deciding, I guess I'll go see my family. I actually love this part of the scene because, um, I don't know, I, I guess maybe like a more villainous or a more poorly written version of Samidare. Like, she says, you should go visit your grandpa. And he's like, are you ordering me to do that? Expecting her to say yes, because like intellectually, he knows that he should close the door on this one. And like, that would be better for him to move on. But he doesn't want to. And he sort of he sort of wants her to to order him to go because then it's out of his hands. 
then he's not responsible for choosing to go. Yuhi is not someone who likes doing hard things, but if someone tells him to do the hard thing, he'll do it begrudgingly because it's not his choice. But she's like, no, you should really just choose to do the hard thing because it will really benefit you. Like, this whole thing is clearly affecting you. You should get some closure for you. No one else, but you clearly need some closure on this. He asks her, are you ordering me to see my grandfather on his deathbed? And she says, no, I am as a friend saying that you should. Mm -hmm. But then uh, she also tells him to get better soon. And he's like, is that also a request? No, no, that one's in order. <laughs> and he immediately sits up. Yes, ma'am. And instantly heals because that is the kind of person he is. <laughs> but um. One of, my, one of my favorite scenes uh, is they're on the train heading to um, his aunt's house in the hospital where his grandpa is. And he's just sitting there going like, oh, geez, this is a waste of my time I'm going to see the old man before he croaks. And then the his little lizard companion is just like, hey, Yuhi, you know, you haven't used your wish. We haven't mentioned yet that all beast knights get. I think all knights get. I, it's been a while, um, but they each get a wish. And he's just like as, like, payment for being a knight. He's like, you haven't used yours yet. You know I could heal your grandpa's illness. And he just looks at the lizard like, no. I I mean, I could ask you to kill him, but that still seems like a waste of a wish. It's like, what? <laughs> Literally, why would I use my wish on that old bastard? Besides, well, the uh, the wish had been mentioned earlier as uh, an incentive to get the knight, to get a reluctant knight to participate. But, um... Even if the knight eventually agrees, he still gets the wish as compensation. And, you know, Yuhi being like, I, I am a, a disaffected nihilist who wants nothing from this world except to see it destroyed by my lady's hand. I'm literally doing the only thing I could ever want. What would I have to wish for? It's usually done as a comedy beat, but it's one of the, it's the kind of comedy beat where it's like the minute you start thinking about it, you realize, oh, this is, this is way worse and way darker than it's pretending it is, you know, like with intention. He basically keeps trying to waste the wish out of spite towards new. <laughs> like it's one of those ones where it's like, it's funny if you don't think about it and then you think about it, you realize, oh, that's, that's, that's not great. <laughs> My, I don't need a payment for this because my payment is the world is being destroyed the second we're done. So I either yep. die or I die. Your payment is meaningless. <laughs> that's, uh, that's not a healthy way to look at things, uh, my G. Speaking of uh, not healthy ways to deal with life, uh, Yuhi and his, his aunt and uncle's house is, he behaves like creep, which is weird. <laughs> uh, yep. Yeah, that was, a, that was an odd scene. Anyway, uh, so they finish up dinner and his aunt is like, anyway, uh, the bath is ready. Why don't you go and uh, have a soak, Yuhi? And, uh, oh, but be careful. Your, uh, your little cousin's turning into a woman. Avoid any accidents. <laughs> and she's like, mom, that's weird. Stop doing that. <clears throat> Maybe I should be careful to avoid an accident. <laughs> and Opening new. the changing room. Oh, it's empty. <laughs> Anyway, no accidents, huh? You didn't even hesitate! New is uh, rightly uh, concerned about this situation. <laughs> Being the perpetual creepy is, the paneling does not it indicates this may have been an accident. I prefer my interpretation, which is he stripped naked completely and then posed in front of the door for however long it took. <laughs> for, for his little cousin to open the door, yeah. Say and little cousin. I think she's 14. So. Yeah. She's not like an eight-year-old is what I think when I hear a little cousin. 
it's still it's still bad. It's just not that kind of bad. Mm-hmm. It's creepy, but in a no, it's it's creepy. It's, it's creepy. yeah, no, it, yeah, it's it's still creepy. It's creepy regardless, but it's not the worst possible version of it. So I guess the accident was on me. Ha ha ha! Why are you so happy? I I believe he actually says that outright, which yeah, that, he's not he's not wrong. That is indeed what News says to him. You should always knock, though. That's the thing. Too many people in this are just opening doors. <laughs> yeah. Don't open the door, Denji. <laughs> Don't open the door, Yuhi. Don't open the door. <laughs> and, then, and then News is like, hey, by the way, here's some exposition. Uh, what's up with your parents? Oh, yeah, my dad's dead and my mom ran away. This sounds like there's more explanation to the story that's necessary. I'm reading. Oh. Uh, n- no? <laughs> sort of the uh, interesting thing is um, uh, Nui is like, that seems like a really understated reaction for the words that you just said. Like, mm-hmm. do you care about that? And he's like, no matter how I say it, it's not going to change what the facts of the matter are. If you just listen to the literal words, it, it almost sounds like it's like that kind of positive nihilism where it's like, if nothing matters, then I'll make things matter. Like, like, like it mm-hmm. sounds like that at its surface. It- but it sounds like positive nihilism, but it isn't. Once you actually parse the context, you realize, no, he's just spiraling because, of course, he is. He dealt with some very serious abuse in his formative years. I, I really like the paneling here because New, you know, prods more uh, explanation out of Yuhi. And he says, oh, yeah, so, OK, whatever, I'll tell you the story. My dad was a detective and he went missing uh, looking for a drug smuggler. And then a few months later, a uh, drug smuggler was arrested and admitted to uh, killing a detective and burying him in the mountains. The detective was my dad and the smuggler was his partner. (laughs) And then my mom went missing after his funeral. And then my grandpa lost his faith in humanity and became an abuser. Funny, ain't it? (laughs) That's that's almost literally and exactly how that scene goes right down to the right down to the fake laugh hides real pain. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So sad it must be a joke. Yeah, and we get a picture of him smiling and that's the right half of this panel and it's divided by the speech bubble that says so sad that it must be a joke and then on the other side is him as an eight-year-old kid bawling his eyes out this manga this manga is loaded with metaphors vanishingly few of them are subtle this one hit me really hard yeah, I mean, a, a metaphor doesn't have to be subtle to be powerful, and this is a powerful one. This is also an example of where, when I mentioned that some of the paneling and, and some of the speech bubbles were issues, some is the operative word, because that page was extraordinary. You know, I mean, like, it's it's very much the case where you had to call out the, the, the problems where you see them, but boy, uh, this manga has so much, you know, positive uh, to outweigh the places where it, it mildly missteps and... That, that imagery is, it's one of those ones where they, they do a little bit explain the metaphor, but they, for the most part, let it play. Uh, this is where New kind of became my favorite character because, you know, he calls Yuhi on his bullshit. He's like, I, you, you're just sitting here laughing, but I see the face of a crying child. Hating this world is only going to ruin your life. My life can't get any worse. And uh, yeah, New knows that that is absolutely uh deflecting (laughs) and also not the point uh sure maybe it can't get worse it almost certainly can but you want to know it could also get better you ever considered that you little punk that sounds like that takes work putting in effort is hard and sometimes it doesn't pay off you do everything right and it still doesn't matter 
So that's the reason why he doesn't try. And it hurts because honestly, I, I don't, I don't, that's something that to me at least feels very universal. I feel like, I feel like in, in sometimes large and sometimes in most times uh, small ways, that's the kind of thing that everybody goes through every now and again, you know, you know, you, you, you set out to do something and you see how tall the mountain is. And it's like, is this worth it to me? You know, and like, you know, because this is a narrative, it's like, the, you know, these are, you know, the highest possible stakes because hyperbolize and focus on, you know, singular aspects mm -hmm. and whatnot. But like, it's just such a real moment where uh, the abuse he went through, it's like uh, literal physical metal chains notwithstanding. That's the kind of thing that could happen to a person. Just because there is a literal reason with the whole, you know, his son died and I don't know who was the in-law between the, the married couple, but like, you know, son died, you know, daughter uh, disappeared, um, you know, lost faith in humanity. It doesn't diminish the, the unfair, ridiculous, nonsensical cruelty that Yuhi's grandpa inflicted on him, despite the fact that we now know the technical reason why it happened it's just it, it, it's so real we we get to really experience that as we cut then to the next scene where um his cousin takes him to the hospital to go visit with his grandpa and like i love how this hospital room is so bright and cheery it's so nice and everything is pristine and white and like when his cousin is there his grandpa's just like oh oh yeah so nice to see you you're doing and like he doesn't yeah. even hear their conversation. You just see him looking on like, what is this nonsense? <laughs> like, Grandpa's just a nice smiling old man instead of a terrible looming shadow of darkness and despair. It's setting up the character turn. You know, the, the real grandpa comes out as soon as it's just the two of them. It doubles down on this so hard because like the grandpa gets up and he, he, he makes a comment like, Don't be scared. I won't do anything. Yeah, the, the first thing he says is, there is light in your eyes. Have you made friends? A place to belong. It's up from bed. And I'm just like, buddy, you are on your deathbed with weeks to live. You are not standing up on your own. What is this nonsense? Like <laughs> Right before the moment that Yuhi knows for sure is going to happen, that the audience is expecting because of the framing, he drops down on his knees bows his head and says i understand how horrible what i did to you is my last request is that you forgive me for the terrible things i did to you mm, he no he explicitly says you don't need to forgive me he wants to apologize and have his death be atonement yeah it, yeah it's a very crucial thing for his character no you're right you're right yeah in fact he says you shouldn't forgive me just, I want to apologize. And Yuhi explodes with the most emotion we've ever seen out of him in this manga, screeching that he'll never forgive him. It's too late for any apology. After everything you've done, now you change your mind. And he runs out in a rage into the rain. And honestly, a totally reasonable reaction. Like, you can't just pretend that the pain didn't happen, you know? Well, he's not, though. He's not pretending the pain doesn't happen. He's saying, I want to apologize, and the fact I'm dying is because... He's using his death as, like, see, I'm dying because I was such a bad person. That's mm. what he's saying. Is like, I'm dying, so this is my atonement. This is my seppuku, is this illness I'm dying of. 
which also kind of feels what Yuhi does. <laughs> yeah. Yuhi knows, or, well, Grandpa knows that literally any amount of apology that he could do right now would feel hollow and self-serving. There is nothing he could do to make this better. The most impactful thing he can possibly think of is to apologize while dying. And he knows even that won't be enough because that that still feels like self-serving. Oh, woe is me. Bullshit. It is kind of important that he doesn't he doesn't ask for forgiveness. Uh, he specifically says, I'm apologizing. He explicitly rejects forgiveness, too. He's like, I would you sh shouldn't forgive me. I don't expect to ever be forgiven for what I did. Like, yeah, he's he is explicitly rejecting forgiveness while apologizing, which I think is it's a mm -hmm. it's a step further. Yui runs out and collapses in the rain, and he has perhaps the one positive memory he has of his grandfather. As a young boy, he said that he wanted to be a detective like his father, and Grandpa patted him on the head and smiled at that. And it's that that prompts. Yui crying his eyes out into the rain to say to New, help my grandpa. And my favorite of the esoteric scenes <laughs> of the of the weird surrealist moments, uh, New says, understood, my friend. He does a thing with his forelegs. They are teleported either to the moon or to the top of the biscuit hammer or just something. They're in space for an instant and then... They're brought back to Earth, and the knight's contract is now complete. We are the lizard knight. We fight as one. Th this is the weirdest feeling of catharsis I've ever had reading a manga. I felt like I released a lot of emotions. I don't know what any of them were. <laughs> I I love yeah. the bit where he's he's going on before he comes to, like, the happy memory of his grandpa, where he's just venting out to the world, screaming, This man was a monster for the ten years I lived with him. A month and a half living with my aunt and uncle and my cousin. He's suddenly a nice, friendly person. What was wrong with me? Because it is just a brief time of living with another set of people and suddenly Grandpa seems like a new man. How is Yuhi not supposed to pin that on himself? You know, and it, and it isn't his fault because grief isn't logical, you know? Mm. Uh, again, mm. it, doesn't, it doesn't make what his grandpa did to him okay, but like... Yui had nothing to do with the reason his grandpa treated him that way. Honestly, probably what should have happened was Yuhi probably shouldn't have lived with his grandpa. Because clearly what was happening was his grandpa was dealing with grief in a bad way and didn't know how to deal with his grandson's grief. And that created a negative feedback loop that just made everything worse. Like, yeah, the situation was bad. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and again, like, the idea that Yuhi is blaming himself for, like, the abuse that he suffered, you know, it, it's totally understandable why his mind goes to that place, but that's not what it is. But, like, try telling someone that. It's not so easy as just saying it. When we've been going over the scene, you know, like, something Matt mentioned, the, uh, the idea that maybe there may have been some of um, the reason Yuhi asked for his grandfather, uh, grandfather to be healed might have had something to do with, like, taking away the thing he was going to use to atone. Like, there might be some level of spite associated with making that request. But I also, I also love that that's still his grandpa. A part of him just can't just let him die when he has the ability to, you know, magically save him. But he do he still doesn't forgive him. Like the grandpa himself said, he is not owed forgiveness. 
<laughs> Nothing he says or does owes him forgiveness. Everything you hate has said to this point, he didn't want his grandpa to die. That's, mm -hmm. that's not what he wanted. And in fact, yeah. when his grandpa was saying, like, this, my death here is an apology to you, him wishing for him to not die is still rejecting his apology because he's still mad at him. He does not forgive him. It's almost yeah. crueler to save him like that because now grandpa has to live even longer with, with his mistake. I'm not 100% yeah, sure he's, he's doing it to be cruel. I think it's more like a self-fulfillment oh. kind of thing. Yeah, oh, I, I, yeah like, I, I don't think you, he is intentionally, you know, saying, no, you old man, you have to live with your mistake just like I have to live with it. I, I think you, he is incredibly confused and emotionally compromised. And this is the first time he's felt something more than despondency in God knows how long. And he used it to help his family member. Someone yeah. that he loves despite everything. I think the the most complete read is that there there is a level of spite in in that request, but it isn't simply that because that is also yeah. still his flesh and blood, and a part of him will always care about his family, no matter how bad he had it. Mm -hmm. It's it's all of that wrapped into one. Like what Yuhi got was not what he wanted, and I think honestly, what Yuhi wanted from this was was to come in see his grandpa dying on his deathbed, say, hey, what are you doing, grandpa? And for his grandpa to be a piece of and for him to walk away going like, yep, old man's dying and was just as shitty last time I knew him. That's my closure. I, mm -hmm. I got what I wanted, which was everything is how I thought it was. Because that justifies his nihilism. That justifies his uh, unwillingness to put effort into things. Yeah, But the idea that the idea that someone can change, even someone as atrocious as his grandfather, challenges that in a way that he is not ready for, especially because he has already wholeheartedly committed himself to planetary destruction. Even worse than that, Sam, it's not that he was incapable of change, it's that he was capable of change for someone else. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. He was perfectly willing to be a nice person to his other family. It's uh, an incredibly painful and emotionally complex arc, and uh, it made this an instant uh, top ten contender for me. <laughs> I'll, I'll just uh. say this right. I'll, I'll just you know say that right now. Y'all y'all can skip our uh, best of 2022 in the next six months at least for me. This is uh, going pretty high on my list just for that <laughs> scene. <laughs> Please don't yeah, skip and... any of our episodes. Don't listen to what Sam <laughs> says. Watch them twice. Yes, do that instead because we are insightful i'd like to hope so maybe anyway um, that try. would also be a bonus you know this, this is a pretty uh emotionally uh poignant moment you want to want to go ahead take a quick break reset for uh the second half of our reading yeah i think i need a glass of water after that one <laughs> we'll take a quick break folks and we will be back after this Welcome back to the show, folks, where last we left our intrepid hero, um, sadness. Lots of sadness. Uh, so good. <laughs> How I like my manga. 
<laughs> yeah, her- hero is an interesting way of putting it, but uh, indeed, they're objectively the villains. They're just fighting another villain. <laughs> yeah, so a villain protagonist then. But uh, where last we left you, he. Uh, he was being very sad about the whole situation with his granddad, but he has no time to process these emotions because monsters, another one of the golems has arrived. And he is uh, much too far away from uh, Semidare to be saved by her one punch man powers. He's a day's worth of a bullet train ride away. <laughs> mm-hmm. Love how they cut to what uh, Sammy's doing right now, and she's studying math and has passed out from thinking too hard. <laughs> <laughs> y equals crab? And then she doodles a bit in her notebook and falls asleep. <laughs> Meanwhile, Yuhi is uh, dodging punches and running through the woods. There's a bit of an interesting element of... Uh, this actually also introduces something that gets... Um, more referenced a little bit later on where um, new is like welp i guess we've died now that kind of sucks looks like i'm uh getting uh knocked out of the fight early again what mm-hmm. do you mean again yeah yeah what do you mean again we got some reincarnate uh, uh, okay this is already my exact like flavor of surreal bullshit, which is why I am enjoying this manga so much. But you're telling me we got reincarnation bullshit in here too? You're just making it my favorite manga of all time. <laughs> yeah, when they get introduced, it's very clear that this is like a preordained cycle. I suppose you could read that as it has been prophesized to happen or it's happened a bunch of times. Now you're just getting it confirmed this has happened a bunch of times. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. it, it, it very much is the case where... Uh... It's not something that you he had really deeply considered because he didn't want to participate in any of this. <laughs> like, suddenly, it, it, it's sort of an interesting moment because um, uh, New is suddenly the nihilist who's kind of just accepted death and putting effort in is pointless. Uh, but Yuhi, on the other hand, um, after everything he's been through and not only what just happened to him, but also, you know, like the effort it took to... Um, you know, come out here in the first place and finally making friends because, um, you know, wh- whatever, uh, whatever, like, you know, knight and princess relationship he has with uh, Semidare, they're definitely friends. And also whatever weird creeper relationship he has with uh, the professor, they're they're pretty obviously friends, too. Like they have a they have a dynamic. So uh, he's unwilling to just simply give up. Like he summon he summons his holding field and New is like, you know that's not gonna work. That's not a combat technique. And then um the uh the paneling shows uh a like like some kind of like you know concussive reaction and the golem stumbles away with a crack in its side because uh he had used the holding field to launch a rock that he had picked up off of the ground into the golem hard enough to damage it. Indeed, you are right that that does happen. But you have described it slightly out of order. And we have to get to my favorite part. (laughs) (laughs) Because uh, Yuhi is running through the woods. He gets thrown down a ravine and uh, lands in a river, scrambles to the other side, and passes out against a tree. And while he's asleep, he enters the dream realm, where he stands before a weirdly pictographed door... Uh, which weirdly pictographed is right. Uh Uh-huh. It's got weird, sickly, and sort of 
crying like a unicorn, a bird-looking thing, another bird-looking thing, and a, I don't, I don't know, a four-legged Tyrannosaurus? I think this is one of the parts where I'm like, I feel like I, I feel like something got missed because we've seen his dream sequences before. This is the first time we're seeing the door, and he says, huh, here again? And it's like, mm-hmm. it's, it's not, it's not again. I feel like... <laughs> it's not again for you, you mean? Yeah, and, and that, that's where, like like that's one of the cases where it's like this one to me, as far as we read, feels like a mistake. But considering this is actually this scene or this scene, I should say the sequence. This sequence is one of the points where the expression of they rely on the audience being willing to accept that they're they're going somewhere with this. Uh, so like. That's also why when I said that was something that I had a bit of an issue with because there were paneling problems in addition, it didn't ruin it for me because that weird non sequitur where it's like, that's not true. I'm sort of accepting that like, is this on purpose? This this kind of feels like it's on purpose. But, it, it, you know, the the story hadn't quite sold that to me yet. So in the moment, I was like, that feels like an error. Indeed, but... Uh... Yuhi walks up to the door uh, where uh, Samidari is waiting, sitting on a rock, just looking at it. And she's like, oh, hey, you already went to bed? No, I ran into a golem and I passed out from the battle. So I'm probably about to die. Uh, that's a shame. It's also worth noting that Samidari is in a completely different outfit than we've ever seen her in. She has a cape. Yes, and it is a very badass cape. I love it. But uh, in this instance, she's uh, a bit of a different... Uh, she's the same she's the same but she's uh, a bit uh different showing a different side of herself maybe she's a little bit bolder a little bit bolder a little bit uh more open he says my outer persona was always serious about serving you but i was uh inside i was uh too scared uh of my grandpa's chains so i just needed a different yoke to be tied to so i used you for that purpose so uh sorry about that and uh, sorry I'm going to die before I can finish my service to you. Hey, Yukun, do you love me? What do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> saying, uh-huh. saying out loud the thing that was that has been implied up to this point. Oh, well, if you love me so much, maybe you need a reward, huh? How about if you <laughs> live and beat this thing, I'll give you a kiss. I bet you'd like that, you sick freak. Ew, no! <laughs> <laughs> It it is you, uh, it is you he who says ew no. By the way, <laughs> yeah. Besides, I won't remember any of this when I wake up, and I'm in love with your cute outer persona anyway. Eh, inner outer, it's all the same person. What? So just wake up and do something about that situation. And he snaps awake, suddenly full of vim and vigor. I I thought that uh, the way I remembered it was it was he he cracks the thing, then gets uh swept away by the river and that was the point when he uh commits to actually beating the thing but uh i guess i i guess That's i misremembered the the exact immediately order after immediately yep. after okay yeah so i misre- i misremembered the order of uh order of events um and uh Jacob, you'd be forgiven this manga is very surreal and has a lot of flashbacks yeah that's when we get the moment of him uh, cracking the thing. And the thing I really like about this is, and, and this is, this is to me, the strongest moment uh, in the entire reading section that we did, because New is like, well, 
okay, so you got away from it again. You know, you, you woke up in time and you were able to, to you know, resist it and, and fight it off briefly, but you're still going to die. You know that, right? And he's like, no, I'm definitely not. I just proved I can damage it. That means I can win. Mm, and like, if it, if it bleeds, it can die. And like, for for this for like the rest of this entire sequence, he basically he almost becomes a completely different person. He is he is confident. He's competent. He is extremely determined, and he is willing to use everything he has at his disposal at 110% to get the job done. And the kind of character he had been up to this point, like, you see the point where that damn break. And it makes, it makes him so much more badass than if this had happened in, like, Chapter 2, for example. The time it took for us to get here was mm -hmm. such a bold choice because up to now we kind of understand the kind of character that Yuhi is supposed to be from a narrative perspective and here he just says screw that I'm being the shonen hero for the rest of this chapter because if I don't I die and he does and he's such a badass for it I know and I freaking love it and then, like, the thing that, to me, is an even bolder choice, and to have a situation where the audience has to buy into something that they don't really know if the story's going to do anything with is such a risky call. But then, you know, we see this version of, this version of Yuhi that kind of feels like this is, like, his fully character-developed form. But he doesn't his stay... final form. He doesn't stay that way. He doesn't completely revert to the way he was before, but for the rest of our reading section, he's he's in a he's in a state in between the two. You know, he was able to bring this this complete version of himself out in this crisis situation, but you know, it does it, it's not a switch that gets flipped. Mm -hmm. Um and just and like then, and then in keeping with the comedy of the series, there's also the like down layer of like man what switched the shonen action hero switch was it purely self uh like keeping himself alive well he's a nihilist that doesn't make any sense oh no he, he wants to smooch he's <laughs> he wants to smooch um but i mean like you know it's like that, that that's sort of the comedy beat of it but it really does feel more substantive to that because you know so much effort has been put into characterizing him and you know it again it's like most other series would have this sort of have this sort of character turn happen in like chapter two or three for the latest. We're way further in than that. The other thing is to not fully revert him to the way he was before or to have him just be this new version of himself now, but to have the more realistic, you know, he's, you know, he's in a better place than he was before, but he still is carrying around the weight of what you know, put him in the bad place in the first place. It's it, it expects the audience to, you know, sort of sort of again accept that it's going somewhere with this. You know, and I, I, in a lot of ways, it's the kind of thing I aspire to do when I write things. You know, I want to, uh, you know, convince the audience that you know, like like that weird thing that didn't make sense. You noticed something that was on purpose. It's so risky because it's so easy for an audience member that isn't looking closely to be like, oh, that's a mistake. This is poorly written and just tune out, you know?
and and the fact that this the fact that this goes there is so cool to me and and just like yuhi is such an absolute badass in that fight like oh yeah he's just he's so cool afterward there's like the jokes that undercut it but in the moment he's just a cool action hero now and i love I really, it i really like the ending too is he calls back to like very early on when he like jumps down that cliff and like you can see the full height of it um new is just like well no that's not gonna kill the golem like that thing is indestructible and he's just like well no this is the same height as the school and sammy thought that would be enough of a height to kill her and she's the princess so she's stronger than them this can kill them not if they land on their feet but also thing jumps down he's like not a superpower can't switch directions in the air flip he flips it, it lands head first, and it shatters like porcelain as he goes, take a dive. And it is so cool. Cool guys don't look at explosions. He walks away, licks the blood from his own head wound off of his, off of his <laughs> lips, and says, so these are the wizard's golems. I guess they're nothing special. He has... He has multiple cheesy action hero lines in a row that are played straight and actually land. I love it. You know, it's great. It really does go go to show the power of restraint because that moment would not have been as good if it had happened sooner. You know what's really great is how cool of a scene that is. The bonus we get for this chapter is him in uh, Sammy's outfit. It plays that moment completely straight, and it's awesome. And he and Yuhi is awesome. But it doesn't suddenly turn his character on its head. He's still him. And, uh, you know, you get you get uh, quickly reminded that in the like little meta bit at the end of a chapter. And then, uh, you know, as for the rest of a reading section, he's not just a cool, badass character. He's still him. He's better, but he's not like perfect yet. You know, but we've mm -hmm. seen we've seen where he has to go. Yeah, and it is uh, incredibly badass, and I love it. But yeah, we uh, we wrap up that bit. Um, we get it basically culminated in what happened afterwards in another little dream scene, uh, which almost ends in his reward kiss. But uh, unfortunately, it's morning, so dreams cannot continue, and he is woken mm -hmm. up for early morning training, and. Uh, while the two of them, uh, Sammy and Yuhi, are training on the banks, uh, they are interrupted because we have too few characters for going into the last chapter of Volume 1. <laughs> yep. <laughs> we need to introduce some new folks. So, hey, we said there were multiple knights, right? Shinonome Hagetsu, the dog knight. Best character. And his dog, Saw. That's not my name. Stop calling me that. Yeah, it it is sort of funny, especially after everything that had happened in the previous chapter. That's one of those cases where it's like, here's this weird non sequitur. What's up with that gimmick? And then it goes exactly where you're thinking it goes. Like, my favorite part is that um, Hangetsu shows up exactly at the right time where uh, Yuhi is like, I ha I've defeated one of the enemies. I have this confidence now brimming inside of me. Ah, oh, this is perfect. I can finally become a proper knight for my lady. I'm the cool guy who's here to win every fight. Jake, this is the, you know, more Power Rangers than me. This is the Green Ranger, right? Yeah, Sixth Ranger archetype. Sixth uh, Ranger is... archetype. Yep. Yep. That's what I was thinking about. But he's not even Sixth Ranger. It's like, it's like we started with Yellow Ranger and then Red Ranger <laughs> came in. 
And then everyone else keeps getting talked. By the way, by the way, the main Power Rangers are always the worst. We need like the White Ranger and the Green Ranger. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, I we mean, need, like the super powered ones. Well, yeah. uh, here, here's the thing. Here's the thing. From a from a narrative perspective, um, uh, Shinonome is treated as if he is the sixth ranger. And part of the sixth ranger trope is that, like, this one is unusually powerful for the duration of their introduction and then becomes just a normal member of the team eventually. But that is not where this story is going because, uh... Nope. Oh, the Dog Knight is usually just another mook. I mean, sometimes the Dog Knight isn't just another mook, but, uh, and it looks like you're not, but, uh... (laughs) Usually they're just another mook. Which is, uh, reflected when, uh... He pulls a move similar to uh, Yuhi and uh, does an upskirt move, but this time it's on Samidare, and uh, she goes to beat the shit out of him for it, but he knows Kung Fu and is able to expertly avoid all of her attacks. Her brute force is nothing compared to his technique. Except she does hit him once, and then he goes flying into a bridge. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's one of those ones where it's like uh, he's dodged everything. He decides to try to block one, and he goes flying. It's like, wow! I'm glad I took that uh, took blocking that seriously, or that would have killed me. Uh, but, uh, and uh, Sammy is not not on board. She's just like this guy. I don't <laughs> like. There's someone that I can't one shot. This this distresses me. This is BS. He's real upset. And then we cut to Dream Sammy, who's just like, man, this guy is hilarious. I love this guy so much. She says it with this, like, the manic violent look on her face. Like, I'm going to kick the crap out of him. This is interesting. You you don't like it when I'm brash and violent. You like the dainty outer me, don't you? He's just like, yes, obviously, I keep saying this. Dream you is awful. She's like, <laughs> oh, yeah, I forgot. You still get your reward. Kiss. It's setting it up like it's going to be a romantic comedy where he never actually gets the kiss until the very, very end. But no, it uh, the delay that happened because he woke up before the kiss, that gets completely thrown out the window. It's like, eh, we're not going to wake up for a while. I'm just going to do it now. Yep. And I, I freaking love the look on Dream Sammy's face, the intense glare. Have you forgotten who I am? <laughs> it's so intimidating. It's great. It's such a good ending for volume one, too. Like, that is punctuated. And uh, Yuhi wakes up screaming. (laughs) New has to ask him, what is it this time? Huh. Wait, no. I had a good dream. I think I had a good dream this time. (laughs) (laughs) And they go jogging, and uh, and Sami is embarrassed. (laughs) Sami cannot look at him. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> she blushes and looks away. It's super cute. I had a weird also, dream. Oh, I had a good dream. Also, I think Hongetsu fell asleep drunk on a park bench. I'm pretty sure that's what happened, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, he's uh he's a handyman, which is a nice way of saying unemployed. Uh-huh. <laughs> he works odd jobs. I think you mean he is a professional justice fighter. That that is in fact what his uh, his business card says. He is a justice fighter, <laughs> which, so, uh, which immediately instigates uh, Yuhi to start thinking. So he's not going to be okay with destroying the Earth after we de- uh, get rid of the biscuit hammer. Not to figure out a way to kill him. <laughs> Sammy and Hungetsu are sparring, and uh, 
Yuhi gets to talk to Ludo, the dog, for a bit, and the dog does not like him. Uh, yep, Ludo Chevalier. I smell the Ooh. devil on you, boy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. I'm just here to prevent the wizard from destroying Earth. Yes, prevent the wizard from destroying... You're, you're saving the Earth, right? I am preventing the wizard from destroying the Earth. <laughs> that was oddly specific. Your evil intentions are plain to see, you, cre <laughs> you cretin. And they start, they start fighting. <laughs> it, it's one of those ones where it's framed as if uh, it's like, ah, uh, everybody's sparring. It's like, no, the, the, the uh, Yuhi and the dog are just fighting. I root for Ludo uh, because Ludo is a dog. And then they, uh, they keep training. Um, Sammy is very outmatched. She gets the stick she was fighting with taken away. Uh, and eventually they end up going back to her house for some lunch after a hard, hard morning of training or a breakfast, actually. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's somewhere in between. I think it's a uh, weekday or a weekend. Or, but, yeah, um, it's a uh, weekend because uh, Sammy's the, sister doesn't. The sister's have there. To go to, yeah, she doesn't have to go into work that day. And unfortunately, because it's, her sister is there, uh, Hangetsu meets. <laughs> I wish I remembered the sister's name. Uh, yeah, she she actually mostly gets uh, referred to as Asahina. Asahina. Is there family? Uh, uh, Asahina. Yeah, she usually gets yeah. she usually gets referred to as Asahina, which is the which is the family name, which is how you normally address people in Japan. Uh, but there are so many siblings in this. But I mean, Hangetsu does have taste. She is very pretty. <laughs> Agreed. Yes. I, I do love the visual of him being shot in the head with Cupid's arrow and blood running down his face. <laughs> he, get, he gets shot multiple times, usually whenever Asahida uh, speaks. Uh-huh. He introduces himself as I'm in love, and she thinks his name is in love. <laughs> <laughs> it's very, very cute. Uh, it's a good thing nothing bad is going to happen relative to that relationship. They have a meal. Uh, he asks for some shoujo manga recommendations, uh, walks away with an entire bag full of manga <laughs> to read. Uh, and the second he leaves, Yuhi takes advantage to, uh, surreptitiously, um, talk about him with, uh, Sammy, who is immediately, uh, freaked out by how close he is to her. Uh, he gets <laughs> right in there. In my ear. He goes to do the dramatic, like, walking past somebody and whispering to them thing. And she's like, please don't be so close. <laughs> For non-specified reasons. But, um... Come on, little shorty, let me whisper in your ear. <laughs> oh, dear. Meanwhile, he's got the look on his face like, <clears throat> yes. And then they uh, proceed to talk, talk about how they might need to kill Hangetsu. <laughs> uh-huh. Yuhi believes that because, uh... Well, for one, Semidari says uh, she doesn't need any more allies. She has Yukun. And uh, he's just like, all right, so the Justice Fighter isn't going to let us destroy the Earth. So I need to be able to kill him. <laughs> Meanwhile, uh, Nu has become rather infatuated with Hangetsu, referring to him as uh, uh, Shinonome Dono, <laughs> and says, do you really have to? <laughs> do, do you have to kill him? Like, come on, man. Sammy's reaction is, is is basically something to the effect of, eh, I'm sure it'll all work out. Don't worry about it. Go with the flow. And then uh, New, uh, upon talking to uh, Yuhi about this, goes like, hey, what if I, uh, you know, just became a total narc, you know? And told <laughs> uh, Hangetsu that you guys were going to plan on blowing up the Earth. And he's just like, yo, be cool, man. <laughs> Not the... What? 
it's, it's an interesting relationship everybody has with uh, everything, really. Mm-hmm. Look, we're just going to go buy some magazines and think about this later. And oh, God, a golem. Uh, and uh, it, it, it starts like it's going to be the regular uh, rigmarole that we've had up on uh, till this point. I think that I think this is the one where uh, <laughs> it's literally a foot away on the other side of a pane of glass before they notice it. Yep. Yeah. Yuhi looks up and sees it staring at him. Why didn't you notice that one? <laughs> He's reading some manga at the magazine kiosk and he looks up and the golem's just like, Hey, you weren't just gonna read manga without paying for the book. The people who write those really depend on the sales. Oh no, <laughs> I didn't even think about that. The poor, poor manga. <laughs> but yeah, also uh, because Yuhi's in danger, we cut to uh, um, Sammy in the bath going like, "Huh, someone's in danger." Well, <laughs> and then proceeds to just continue getting ready. <laughs> Better finish my bath. Gotta dry my hair. <laughs> Actually, uh, uh, Hengetsu, who uh, comes to save the day. Your neighborhood superhero, Masked Hengetsu, but I forgot my mask. <laughs> and his special technique, Halberd. Indeed, holding field Halberd, because you have to scream your attack name. What <laughs> is the point of having a special attack if you don't scream it? If you don't scream the name out loud whenever you use it. Uh, it, it, it becomes increasingly uh, obvious the longer time that you spend with him. He really likes the Maho Shoujo genre, which I mean, <laughs> fair. It, there is a lot of really good stuff in that genre, but... <laughs> Some could argue this manga is a parody of that genre. So yeah, he ends up uh, beating up the golem, and I will <laughs> say here, I don't really quite understand how Halberd works, but okay. Uh-huh. Uh, it looks identical to, to Yuhi's. Oh, it is. No, uh, what he what he's doing is uh, he's uh, shaping the field into a spear shape and then throwing it. He's just he's just strong enough that the telekinetic force pushes the rock out of the way as if it were solid, as if the holding field was solid. It's not Indeed. like he even, he even admits it. It's not that complex or cool. It's still not technically a, a combat technique. I'm just brute forcing it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, happy to help you out there, uh, Yuhi. Uh, I'm up for sparring whenever you want. Have a good day. And this is this is one of the biggest parts of uh, we see Yuhi kind of sliding like after after his uh, great moment of like, uh, you know, badass affirmation, uh, a little bit sliding back into his old ways where he kind of doesn't want to put the effort in. I mean, why would he want to put the effort in? You know, this guy's so cool. He can just get whatever he wants, I guess. But uh, this is when we uh, cut to the next training scene, because uh, at this point, Sammy's training with him daily. He is using this training scene as an instance to fish her for information on her sister. Like, uh, what is she like? What is uh, her favorite hobbies? Uh, is, does she have a boyfriend? And Sammy, to her credit, answers all of the questions, except <laughs> if he has a boy, if she has a boyfriend. It's one of those ones where it's so thinly veiled and it's pretty clear that Sammy is not putting any thought into whether or not she should be answering. Whereas here's Yuhi over there like, this dude is fishing so hard. It's like, I don't have a problem with uh, anything that my lady does, so she can just give away this information. But like, he, he, he's being weird right now and you don't seem to be noticing. I, I, I don't think Sammy cares. No. If anything, the only thing she does seem to care about is like, I don't know, it seems weird to tell you if she has a boyfriend. 
And he's like, oh, no, I dropped this coupon for a French restaurant. And she's like, I don't he, think she's seeing anyone currently. Yes, yeah, he, he extremely overtly bribes her. <laughs> and once again, the uh, the three onlookers of uh, Ludo, Nu, and Yuhi are like, really? Why are you pretending that it isn't obvious? But anyway, after this ludicrous display, um, Hangetsu ends up going to campus because he wants to hit on um, Sammy's sister, uh, which uh, gets in uh, Yuhi's head. Yeah, he makes a he makes a point of uh, getting a job there because, like, at first it's like uh, he he totally doesn't have a job here, but later on Yuhi will actually bump into him, indeed doing the job he actually got hired for. <laughs> But uh, but being on campus with Yuhi is just enough to push that needle from I don't like this guy to let's actively plan how to murder him, uh, which uh, <laughs> goes on for a bit. It's a little bit too bit. fine a line. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's a little bit too fine of a line, but, uh, you know, we, are, we, we do have uh, villain protagonists. And News just basically, like, he gets at the end of this, like, scene, calls him out on it. It's just like, what are you doing? You can't just murder people you don't like. Like... I shouldn't have to tell you that. You are behaving like a child who throws a tantrum when they don't get their way and breaks all their toys. Like... To which you, he says, Yes, I know. I'm well aware that that's how I'm dealing with my trauma and it's unhealthy. I didn't need you to explain that to me and it's not convinced me of anything. I'm still going to murder. What am I even doing here? The saddest <laughs> I've ever seen a lizard look to is the two reaction panels of like, Oh, I guess I do have no power in this relationship. <laughs> I feel so bad for poor New. He he has been for for the character that was basically the inciting incident of just showing up one day. He has been relegated so far into the background. Oh man, Sam, if you want to see a manga that mistreat the cute animal um animal like servant that comes to tell the protagonist they're special, uh, there's there's a real good one. <laughs> Um, I don't I don't think I would want that. I don't like that. No. But I am interested in a morbid <laughs> kind of way. <laughs> in a morbid kind of way, I'm interested. But that is for a later episode of the podcast. For right now, we've got more of these shenanigans to get down to. Yeah, basically, he comes you he goes back to his house after a long day of dealing with um, Hangatsu on campus, only to find out my man has broken into his apartment and has a stack of magical girl anime dvds wait cd-roms are these pirated they're pirated <laughs> <laughs> it's fine we're gonna watch anime together yeah. which is uh incredibly violent it's a magical girl who all her signature attacks are turning her magical girl wand into weapons uh-huh. Very painful weapons yeah that violently rip apart the things that she hits and there's a thing like show this to kids and it's like no nope, this is a late night anime ah that makes sense <laughs> she turned it into nunchuck and broke open the monster's head in a very brutal splash of blood a, a, a later scene we see her uh turn them into uh claws it's uh rather disturbing honestly but <laughs> and really but now all the motivation yuhi needs to watch this garbage is uh Sure, Samadare watches it every single day. It'd be another thing to connect you to. And he's just like, well, watching all of it now. <laughs> I am now invested. <laughs> yeah, he tries to. He's not very good about uh, 
you know, consistently going through the episodes. Uh, during one of the training sessions, uh, Hangetsu was uh, like, uh, oh yeah, that, that most recent episode, it had the same uh, supervising animator as uh, this other episode and uh, struck up a conversation. Yeah, they get they get really weeby with it. It's pretty good. <laughs> but uh it'd be funny Hangetsu... when that happens for uh for when this uh manga's anime comes out. Uh Hangetsu gets added to the Breakfast Club. Yeah, he he becomes a regular at that point. Mhm. <laughs> Which oh. is uh interrupted as uh Mr. Asahina uh enters the scene. Yeah, dad just shows up. Matter of fact, the titles often are <laughs> because the the chapter title is like matter of factly like, uh, and then this is the chapter where the dad comes back. Okay, mm -hmm. and then and then the chapter itself introduces him, and then the dad comes back. <laughs> like it's so there's a level of irreverence to it that uh, it very much fits the tone. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. But uh... dad walks in first thing out of his mouth. Why are there so many guys here? They're my jogging friends. <laughs> oh, okay. That checks out. <laughs> Works for me. <laughs> so typically absentee father. Yeah, I'm I'm really low key about what I care about. Uh <laughs> Hangetsu goes up to the dad like, oh here, take my business card. Justice Fighter? That was the wrong card. Yeah, a lot of the, a lot of the characters in this manga are are not bright people. <laughs> Through all these shenanigans, we are given a bit of a revelation as uh, Yui has fallen asleep in class. Uh Semidari is not there to uh, distract him during the typical dream escape, so he just starts wandering around until he uh, walks to the edge of the dreamscape and sees Earth far below and realizes he's on top of the biscuit hammer and then promptly gets swapped on the head and woken up by the professor. And, Who is uh, uh, displeased about him sleeping in her class. <laughs> yeah, that was really that was really responsible of you. Anyway, let's go drinking. What? <laughs> yeah. They, uh, he even says, I'm 18. That is technically underage. Well, let's go to the bar anyway. And then no one cares for the remainder of the manga. <laughs> <laughs> that, that is underage drinking culture in Japan. Uh, don't make a fuss and no one cares. <laughs> and, uh, interestingly enough, Yuhi outdrinks all of them. <laughs> and Getsu is there too. And, uh, the, the two adults... Uh, drink significantly less than Yuhi and are stumbling drunk <laughs> halfway through, and Yuhi yeah, um, is fine. Personal theory here, I, I, I think Yuhi was lying when he said he'd never drank before because his drink of choice was a plum sour in a beer mug? So that's like a double <laughs> or triple of a... Like, <laughs> what he's drinking is insane. Yeah, it is. But, uh... While they're having their little drinking session, uh, Mr. Asahina is in a disguise <laughs> watching them from the side in order to scope out these weirdos hanging out with his daughters. <laughs> yeah, it's one of those ones where it's like, uh, yeah, the, the absentee dad doesn't care about a lot, but uh, he's still going to check them out and make sure it's not bad. They start talking about uh, her dad's books, and um, she loudly and proudly says, I have never read them, nor ever will I will. And he's like, oh, no, my God. I ah. got his face. Because <laughs> they do they do a they do a funny like image of like an arrow spearing him. But also, you know, we've mentioned that the expressions are really good. And you can you can see the very moment when his heart breaks. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile. 
Ludo has been completely aware that he's been here this entire time. Just goes like, what a loser. <laughs> this is weird. I was just sitting here watching this. But anyway, everyone ends up way too drunk except Yuhi, but he cannot carry uh, uh, both of them back by his house. So he has to call um, Sammy over to help. And while they're being helped out, Hangetsu just goes like, hey, hey, kid, you know what the thing about being an adult is? Is you always smile real big so that you can tell kids how fun it is to be a grown-up. Mm-hmm. And everyone just goes like, yeah, what a cool statement you just made. The, uh, the, the smile is genuine, though, right? 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 You're, you're not lying, are you? What, why why, oh, why is nobody we're, we're, answering that question? No, nobody's answering the question, guys. Oh, God. Even Yuhi goes like, huh, he's right. All the, even my dad, all the adults in my life smiled real big. And then life was still pretty <laughs> Huh. <laughs> yeah, but uh, I really like this because uh, another layer of the metaphor just being said is... Um, at the end of this, it's Yuhi looking up at the biscuit hammer going, uh, it's just a constant reminder up there in the sky that the world is going to end, either by the hand of the hammer or my lady. So I'm never going to get the chance to grow up. What's the point of believing their lie? And Mr. Asahina see, uh, appears to read this doom and gloom aura coming off of him and says, so Hangetsu seems to be basically an okay guy. That kid, on the other hand. <laughs> he requires further study. With the uh, the two adults uh, uh, hanging like a fruit bat, uh, thankfully it is at least a day off. Yuhi's getting some rest. Yeah, Yuhi apparently just dragged Hangetsu back into his house, dropped him on the floor, and just left him there because he is still <laughs> face down. <laughs> Pretty great. <laughs> Be gone by the time I get back. He's not gone by the time he gets back. And Sammy uh, jumps up to his balcony and is just like, hey, I was told to hang out with you. You were told to what? hang out with for how long? All day? Hold on, <laughs> let me call your sister. Yeah, could you watch her for like a whole day? Just take her someplace. Is this is this a family sanctioned date? What an opportunity! This chance. <laughs> I can take her out to lunch, and that wakes Hungetsu up. Oh, lunch! I could go for some lunch. Sh shut no. up. <laughs> no, <laughs> not you. And I love the fact that uh, Simidari is your standard shonen protag and that she eats way too much <laughs> to the point where New thinks this is a trap to drain Yui of resources. <laughs> I love how even the wait the waitress at the restaurant has is has a look on her face like, kid, are you sure? They shouldn't have gone to a family restaurant. They should have gone to an all-you-can-eat. Like, they messed up. <laughs> They sure did. Not that you, he cares. He's too busy being on cloud nine for having a date with his lady. I like how the the panel of watching her eat has the Joe, Joe's background and menacing, 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 menacing. <laughs> <laughs> but that's completely from News perspective. You, he doesn't care. But yeah, eventually, uh, eventually Sammy steps away and... Uh, uh, we learned well, she that she has to go to the bathroom after eating like a million pounds of food is what happened. Uh, we learned that uh, her father uh, basically has one one item in his bag of tricks as he uh, reveals he's been sitting behind Yuhi the entire time. Again, in his detective outfit. He's got, 
Not like the I'm the dad gonna grill this guy who wants to date my daughter question line, except it falls apart almost immediately because Yuhi says I'm a fan of your books. And he's like, oh, <laughs> how amazing. He 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 asks for an autograph. Are you in a relationship with Semidare? Not yet. What do you mean not yet? Kid, my daughter is friend zoning you. <laughs> yeah, that's that's literally what he says. So he's just like, you know, women can't be friends with people they want to be in a relationship with. And he's just like, what? <laughs> what? Are, are you accusing your daughter of friend zoning? Yes. Now, I, next question. Ba -bum. Are you giving me advice? This is weird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the dad is uh, quite the character. Uh, I do like uh, how um, the, the dad asks... Uh, what do you want to be when you grow up? And uh, Yuhi has a flashback to Dream Sammy reclining on the rock with her cape. And he's like, uh, there's something I want to do. But at the moment, there isn't anything I want to be. <laughs> yes, to do. Just to destroy the world. <laughs> but you say at the moment, there's not something you want to be. Then there was something before, right? What was that? Flashbacks to his dad and his grandpa. It's a pretty good dream, profession. kid. A lot of people wanted to be cops and then changed their mind for reasons. My favorite part was uh, the dad tries to slink away all cool like and he's and he's like, hey, can I get your autograph? Uh, maybe later. We're making a cake for Semidari's birthday. <laughs> oh, that's why we're doing this. <laughs> now it makes sense. But they continue their date and it's really cute. And it's it's just generally a very happy go lucky uh, chapter. Uh, they come back home to the to the birthday cake and the party and everyone tells her happy birthday. And it's very adorable. I forgot. It was my birthday. Dad, is that why you came back? Wow, what a happy time all around, where nothing bad happens. Where nothing bad is going to happen. And then uh, Yuhi and Sammy meet on the roof. And uh, th this is scene number two, where there's like an element of the story uh, much earlier did a non sequitur that doesn't make a lot of sense and is the kind of thing that would feel like a mistake in most cases. But then the level of restraint that it takes to get to this point where it's explained where that came from. And like th this hits differently than the other example, because the other example is the time it took to get to Yuhi's badass moment made him so much more badass than if it had happened earlier. In this case, Sammy basically explains why she has the motivation that she has. And both from an audience perspective and from Yuhi's perspective, as she's explaining it, you're kind of just sitting there like, yeah, that all adds up. I kind of didn't realize I had already put that together. But yeah, uh, it had been mentioned earlier. Sammy, up until very recently, uh, had been very sickly. Mm -hmm. And uh, the, uh, the simple fact is that even without the biscuit hammer, she was not expected to make it to adulthood. Mm-hmm. She was incredibly sickly, and it was and she did not have long to live. And uh, it's only the aura of the princess that is uh, keeping her alive at this point, which is why she needs to be strong enough to destroy the Earth after defeating the Biscuit Hammer, because once this battle is over, the power will fade away, and uh, with it, so will she. That's, uh... Whew. It's one of those ones where it would feel... It would feel so trite and, like box checky if they had just said that outright from the beginning because like like when you just say it like that it feels like such a like tropey character motivation mm -hmm. but the time it took where it's like that was 
that was something that you could probably put together. But like, you kind of don't want to think about that, you know? <laughs> you kind of yeah. don't want to, you kind of don't want to address it. So like, there's a part of you that kind of knows that's where this is going. The Band-Aid gets ripped off and it's like, yeah, that that did all make sense. You know, the, the, the negative place your mind may have gone to at some point since that got told to you is mm -hmm. where this was going. And it, it, it feels so much more somber because of that, I feel. Indeed. And because we can't cut this sadness too short. Hey, are you ready for Hangetsu to basically wear the cloak of death flags? <laughs> they do. They do. I, I think on my very first reading of this, I didn't pick up on it because I think it does a good job of keeping it in the background. Second reading, it's literally just a parade of them. Okay, that's hilarious because I was right in between. Remember when I said they did a lot of work to uh, like reduce the threat of the golems and they will make you forget how serious they are at times? They do a great job of that. Because the thing was, for me, my reaction is... Oh, he is wrapped in death flags right now. But are they going to actually pull that trigger? Because this like like this series does a lot of like serious emotional stuff, but it doesn't like like the physical threat has been noticeably lower. You know, m many other series that I would expect them to do something like that. So it's one of those ones where it's like they make a point of framing it as if this is not the kind of series to just kill somebody off. Like, at the same time, here's this character who is literally wrapped head to toe in death flags. Like, it's really overt. It, it's, it's daring you to realize it. Can we just all agree that uh, Mr. Asahina is the one who's, who's directly at fault? Because he is the one who gives the tickets to Hangetsu to ask about <laughs> his daughter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he hands the death flags to the guy, uh, uh, to Hangetsu to wrap himself up in. Manga does nothing to really point this out either. It's just kind of like, oh, here's the book, and it's got the tickets in it, but that's not really addressed. You just see the tickets later. Mm -hmm. Second read through, I'm like, oh, well, that's the reason he died. <laughs> well, it's not the reason reason, but it's part of it. No, it's, yeah, it it's, yeah. It's the narrative reason. It's the meta yeah, reason, the yeah. Reason. But uh, Hangetsu and you here, hanging out, drinking, and watching Magical Girl anime. Because <laughs> now they just drink all the time. <laughs> I guess. And like, uh, Yuhi is actually, I think, I think there's some point where Yuhi is watching the show alone. Well, as alone as he can be, because Nu is still there. Because the, because the scene with, uh, Hangetsu is, is really, it's really just reaffirming things that we know. Like, because like, one of the big things is, uh, Hangetsu is like, I kind of get the idea that you have a problem with me. And if I knew what that problem was, I'd probably have a problem with you. We're going to ignore that because I know for a fact we have an aligned goal. So we're going to deal with this one step at a time. And it, it, it kind of goes to show that he is that kind of shown an idiot that, you know, but like also he's he's still emotionally mature enough to recognize, you know, what's going on under the surface. One of the most overt death flags. And it's one of those ones where it's like in the moment, because of the surreality of the story, because of the cheeky tone, because of how much they, they've done to deflate the threat of the golems, there's a, he's watching a scene from the, the Magical Girl anime. Uh, Yuhi basically stops watching because uh, the, the, the main character's grandfather had just been taken hostage. And he's like, yeah, this is some false drama. They're not going to kill the character off. 
and then the anime in this manga <laughs> proceeds to kill the grandpa off, and you he can't handle that. Uh-huh. I have to trigger the secret explosives in my belt. What did I just watch? What? <laughs> I, I guess he had secret explosives in his belt anyway. I'm going to go deal with that menacing aura up in the mountains. Oh, crap, it's a golem. Well, we also get the flashback of why um, Angetsu is a justice fighter, because his dad was a martial artist who tried to motivate his kid to study martial arts by telling him kung fu movies are real life. And if you train hard enough, you can fly like Parrot Man. And then his child proceeds to throw himself off a roof. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say it's worse than that. It's Tokusatsu that he shows. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, because because they're they're in the mountain looking for the menacing presence when we get this backstory. Uh, but then we also uh, we also get the um, the reason why he keeps calling uh, Ludo Saw. And uh, again, it's one of those ones where, like, it's exact for the exact reason that you thought it was. Because uh, Saw had been a family dog for Hangetsu when he was uh, but a boy. They grew up together, and one day they were going for a walk. They saw a kid playing with a soccer ball, and uh, straight out of Chapter 1 of Yu Yu Hakusho, the ball uh, bounces into the road, the kid runs into the road, incoming car! Except Hangetsu can't do anything. He'll get hurt if he goes and does that. So Saw does it for him. Saves the boy, knocks him out of the way, and dies in his arms. Ah, oh, we don't deserve dogs. I love how this uh, 28-year-old man has spent the last literal 18 years of his life going like, Why couldn't I have been a damn hero like that dog? That dog was a real hero! And I'm like... Good job, buddy. You've probably forgiven yourself at some point, but that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I mean, like, the, to, to some extent, I feel like uh, there is a level of, like, the fact that he has power now has, like, probably reawoken a lot of stuff that he not necessarily, like, had come to terms with, but um, had been able to move on from. Because at this point, he has superpowers. Like... He can be a he can be a hero, and then he thinks about the time that he didn't risk his own safety to protect someone, and and someone else had to sacrifice their life in, uh, because of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but anyway, giant three tiered katanas coming out of a mountain—that's a big, big killing aura. They head up there. Um, the two of them, uh, Hangetsu and Yuhi, find the creature first. It's a ball with eyes and like four arms coming out in like cardinal directions it's it's mistral's minions from metal gear rising revengeance it really do be and uh i will now put a stranger i remain here and now i will stop for copyright <laughs> but uh they uh, proceed to engage it in combat uh but being a ball it is rather resilient uh, Samidare shows up, goes to uh, defeat it with a single kick, and it survives the blow, which is uh, an immediate ocean oh, moment for everybody. The other, yeah, that, that's never happened before. Yeah, and the other is the second uh, Samidare gets there, Golem uh, just leaves. It does not want to fight her, and that kind of brings to the full realization to Yuhi and um, Hangetsu. Golems don't want to fight the princess. They can't fight the princess. They want to kill the knights. 
they've been attacking us because that, that's sort of the thing that you that you suddenly realize is that they have been showing up to yuhi it's you know like yuhi hasn't been like stumbling across them as they're going somewhere else they've been pursuing him you know and and then you have uh Hengetsu being like, no, that's not how it works, right? No, I was two towns away with the last one I fought. It just showed up. Like, And because both of them need to be big damn heroes, they use this revelation to essentially lie to Samidare and say, mm -hmm. oh yeah, we'll just slow you down. You would, you, we're better off. You split up. We'll scout on our own and if we find it we'll call out to you you scout for it on your own and then they're just like well yeah it's gonna come after us and we're gonna take care of it because our job is to protect the princess and having her get into a fight at all is not protecting her and i'm like that kind of makes sense but also <laughs> it doesn't that kind of makes sense but also she's explicitly stronger than both of you she's not being threatened <laughs> the play for both of you should just be holding the monster down so she can kill it Instead, you're going and putting yourselves in danger, pretending to save her from danger. Are you really sure this is the best idea? And then you heat trips, and it's about to be splattered. And Hangetsu gets this moment to be the big damn hero. Grabs him, pushes Yuhi out of the way, starts shouting Halberd to counterattack, and gets punched straight in the gut. And I don't know, my, my first reading, I had completely forgotten that like one punch was severely fatal because they don't bring it up except at the very beginning of like the last fight was Yuhi just dodging everything. Mm -hmm. And this time he gets hit and he lies flat on the ground for a bunch of panels. Like he is just dead. Mm -hmm. Like he is dying and then is dead. I think the most recent time they had, the story had gone over it was you, he was talking about how if it hits me in the head, uh, it was, it was when he was running away from the thing in the forest when, after he had met with his grandpa. And it's like, he's like, uh, if it hits me in the head, it'll crack my head open. Or if it hits me in the body, my organs will pop. If it hits me in the limb, it will rip the limb off. And then I will be completely unable to uh, move and get away. If it hits me once, I just die. But the thing is, they've never hit anyone before. There being a level of plot armor is not necessarily a bad thing, because, you know, like, if the main character does get, you know, shot by, you know, a random mook, then the story ends. Like, that's not how stories work. You know, you kind of expect the fact that these things hit so hard is, you know, like, every, everything about the way that the story has presented itself is that it's not gonna hit anybody. Like, it's always going to be close calls. And then someone just gets hit. Like, full-on hit. Like, one shot. Like, there is no, oh, oh, no, it was too... Like, you see in a lot of shonens is they get hit by a powerful attack, and then they go, oh, Kakarot, that was quite a powerful key blast. Oh, what if we scream more? And then Senzu beans. And, like, yeah, it's like, cool. <laughs> or someone gets stabbed, and they say that they can move their organs. Yeah. Yes. But I really... What I really like about this, and, and I say like from a narrative perspective, I fucking hate it from an emotional perspective. <laughs> Hangetsu gets hit. He's lying there on the ground. He's going, ah, dude, I up. Oh, right. Yuhi's there. I need to get up and smile. No time to take a nap now. And it's reading like the standard, the hero gets back up and does his final attack before he succumbs to his wounds. You know, the Kamina moment. Except he doesn't 
get up, he just he calls out to Ludo, actually calling him Ludo this time. And Ludo says, I will stick to our agreement. And he completes the knight's contract, granting his wish. We don't know what the wish is. And Ludo fades away. And what's honestly almost worse, because it makes sure that you can't forget or misinterpret what has happened. Hangetsu's broken body is just lying there. Mm-hmm. There, there is no romanticism of this death. It is brutal, and it is, oh shit, I fucked up. One misstep, I am dead. And I don't move anymore. Yep. We also get a bit of a plot as Ludo is vanishing. He turns to Yuhi, because uh, I believe we skimmed over the bit earlier. He promised at some point during their training, I will reveal to you what I know about the previous fights, because apparently your lizard doesn't know shit. Um, mm-hmm. And he's just like, Yuhi, beware of the owl. And then disappears. And Yuhi's just like, what? I'm not done processing the death of my friend, rival, mentor. I don't know. And uh, the monster is still alive. The monster is <laughs> still here. And oh, here's Samidare. Boom. And she annihilates half of a mountain. Mm-hmm. Because she is not happy right now. It's either at the end of that chapter or the beginning of the next one, we get a bit with uh, some other characters uh, taking note of. Uh, so that level of destruction should not have been possible for anybody with that is here, and like they know that the princess is there. Yeah, it's it's a hooded figure and a horse, so um, you can assume some things based on that. Yeah. yeah, probably Horse Knight. And uh, and they're like, that shouldn't be possible. That's weird. How did a mountain break? That's not how that works. And uh, apparently punching the mountain to bits has completely drained uh, Sami of her powers for a bit. She's still recovering. And, mm-hmm. and uh, everyone else is processing uh, Hangetsu's death um, in presumably healthy ways. Uh, Yuhi is not emotionally reacting at all. He keeps watching that scene from the Magical Girl anime mm-hmm. where he didn't think that they'd have the, the nerve to kill off a character. <laughs> and uh, yet here we are. Again, it's one of those cases where it's like the metaphor is both a metaphor and literal at the same time. Mm-hmm. I love uh, New just being like, hey, we, uh, we already watched this episode. We, uh, uh, we haven't seen the next episode yet. Maybe we could watch that one. Looks like it's gonna rain. Just, okay, you're, you're you're handling this really well, Yuhi. You wanna, you wanna, maybe you wanna like cry or laugh or have any sort of cathartic response? You maybe wanna move on there, Chief? No, I already did that with Sammy's sister. You saw how that went. (laughs) Yeah, you, yeah, you hugged her, groped her, and she started crying and laughing. And uh, you did nothing. You, uh, you definitely are processing this well. We get everyone doing their best to move on in their own way. And then um, we had learned that uh, uh, Hangetsu had a brother. Uh, we, we'd known that for a little while up, uh, at this point. Um, and uh, we learned that he also has an interesting way of uh, processing loss. Yeah, because uh, said brother, who'd, who had been away training in the mountains, I guess, uh, comes back, uh, Mikazuki, and... Uh, he is introduced by new sensing killing intent, thinking it's a golem. They turn around and there's a boy with a crow on his shoulder who looks, he, he's kind of a, 
He looks an awful lot like uh, a more put-together traditional anime protag version of Yuhi. And he walks up to him and says, uh, I thought I concealed my presence. You did not conceal your bloodlust. You should do something about that. Ah, yeah, that's true. Anyway, uh, you want to fight me? No. I really don't. <laughs> oh, after I worked up all this courage to ask you out to a fight. I won't forget this. And he runs away. Ask, ask, ask me out? What, what are you talking about? Also, why are you at breakfast at the Asahina household? Yeah. The, the next chapter is basically everyone returning to day-to-day -day life, except now um, Mikazuki is invading all the spots of Yuhi's life. He is at the breakfast eating his food. He is at school being popular with everyone. Like, mm -hmm. every place Yuhi is, Mikazuki is there being better at it. And he's just like, this damn extrovert. What does he think he's doing? <laughs> being naturally good with people and liking conversation. It's weird. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you. He, I don't get it. But uh, anyway, it turns out uh, they meet on the riverside and uh, he's just like, yeah, no, I actually do want to fight because uh, I found out my brother died because of you. And then he goes on this weird monologue about how my brother's fate was consumed by yours. That means that your fate is something that I need to overpower so I can beat my brother. And Yuhi's even just like, that doesn't make any sense. But okay. <laughs> He almost literally says, if you die, if my brother's death is your fault, that means you're stronger than my brother, and I could never beat him, so if I beat you, I beat him too! I still have my chance! Fight me! As he, as he looks like beating Shinra from Fire Force, except mm -hmm. actually leaning into it. Yeah, and uh, the other big thing is, the whole reason why he comes to the conclusion that it's Yuhi's fault isn't because he makes that connection on his own. Yuhi is the one who says that because he's not processing things well. You seem to want to fight me for fun. You should actually hate me instead because I'm responsible for your brother's death. You're responsible for my brother's death? That makes you stronger than my brother. Now I really want to fight you for fun. I cannot process what's going on right now. <laughs> That is uh, actually the end of our reading as, uh, well, there's technically one more thing that happens because um, Samidare shows up and says, all right, you mooks, quit fighting. I'm going to beat the crap out of either of you if you start fighting again. And Mikazuki goes, that's hot. I'm in love with you. So I'll listen. I'm sorry, what? <laughs> I love the reaction panels from all the animals and uh, Yuhi of just like, what, 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 what? I love you. <gasps> but with that, uh, the prologue of this story comes to a close so that the first act may begin. And that is where we end our reading. So, uh, as always, at the, uh, at the end of our reading, our first discussion question, uh, favorite character. I really got to give it up to New, personally. Like, he... He admittedly got relegated a bit to uh, Catalyst for Yuhi's uh, character growth, but he does such a good job of it. Like, he does the Socratic dialogue thing of questioning everything he does and therefore forcing Yuhi to confront the re his reasoning behind things. And even if Yuhi ultimately admits, yeah, no, I get it. I will, I'll just uh, go along with it anyway. I understand I'm doing this for bad reasons. 
the fact that he's even forced to admit that is more than you get out of a lot of pro tags. And I, I just got to give it up to new for, uh, being the, the driving force behind that. Also, haha, funny lizard. <laughs> uh, Matt, how about you? Oh man. I think if I had to narrow it down, I would go with, uh, Sammy Dare, both, uh, regular and, uh, dream persona. Uh, both are great, and I get a two-for-one, because I get a uh, girl who just wants to have fun and blow up the thing because she's dying anyway. And then I get Dream Sammy, who's the exact same, but knows what she wants and is willing to fight for it. Really like that. Indeed, indeed. And Jacob. Ludo is a dog, so... Okay, actually. <laughs> the, the funny thing is, Ludo is actually a really great character, uh, and, uh, you know, jokes aside, you feel the loss for his character getting summarily removed from the story. Um, and he is actually pretty high on the list. But in all honesty, I think I might actually second Sammy Dare. It's very, very close. And I personally kind of prefer her dream version just because of how open she is about not just not just her intentions, because, you know, outer Sammy Dare is the same way, but also um the reasons for it she seems more open about it like you know the um the truth had to get dragged out of uh waking sammy Dare. but i think i think she's my favorite but man yuhi is a really really close second in that regard because like man what like like you can tell it has not even really begun yet and he has already had such a character journey Mm -hmm. and i freaking love that like sammy dari is like from a favorite character perspective one that i one that i enjoy in a more like visceral sense. like she's funny she's uh you know uh you know wacky and 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 cool and everything like like she's got those sorts of like uh you know like that sort of like base appeal to it but like for like yuhi is such a strong character that i can't not shout him out because wow favorite fight uh i mean i think just from a um a narrative structure standpoint the fight against the uh the weird quadruped golem the one that resulted in hangetsu's death uh the rest of them are all you know fun encounters but that one felt in a similar place with uh the fight where uh yuhi managed to uh send the golem crashing to its death in the quarry but the fight in the mountains was the one that, you know, the manga said, hey, I bet you thought it'd been long enough uh, since the whole grandpa incident that you forgot this was a really emotionally heavy thing, huh? Didn't you? You let your guard down, didn't you? Bonk! <laughs> Have some feels! And uh, I, I enjoyed that as much as it uh, hurt on an emotional level. <laughs> it intended to, therefore it did it right. <laughs> yeah, I got I, I got a second say. And that's my favorite fight as well. It it had stakes. It was really cool. It had actual strategy where they split up and it had lying to your teammates about your strategy. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, I, I, I said this in Demon Slayer. I'm a sucker for when regular humans are fighting a force that can like kill them in one shot because there's a level of grit that's there that like is absent from a lot of shonens where it's just like, oh no, he's got a powerful attack. I can just barely survive this. It's just like, no, you're not surviving a regular attack. Like indeed. And you, Jake? Uh this is easy for me, despite how close the second one is. The final fight with the with the quad 
with like the quad golem thing is actually my second for all the reasons mentioned by my co-hosts it's an absolutely spectacular fight for that but man the thing that sold me on the storytelling style of lucifer and the biscuit hammer was the fight in the mountains uh with yuhi alone after uh the confrontation with his grandfather like because it's like that had a lot of strategy to it too you know the the way that yuhi just like expertly outplays uh the golem like seeing him like go to the place where he's meant to end to like show the audience this is you he at his best this is what you're looking for you know and then the patience it took to take that long to pay off his what his character had been up to that point just like that was the point where i'm like oh man i have to put this down at chapter 16 that's not gonna be fun <laughs> and it's like and it's like yeah the, the the last fight is is also great too but the thing that sold me on the story was that fight with yuhi alone so that one just sticks out in my mind as just such a masterful example of storytelling man you want to know one of my favorite things about lucifer and the biscuit hammer these uh 16 chapters we've read is still about like a third of the way through the series i, I <laughs> love compact narratives i love yeah, chainsaw uh -huh. man part one it tells a story then it dips yeah this was uh while it was a uh surreal and windy journey to get there it was a uh very uh book ended one at least in this Thanks. uh in this yeah very succinct in this first uh section that we read and uh, i think for that reason i'm absolutely going to continue reading mainly because i love weird surreal bull <laughs> have you listened to our episodes on kill six billion demons <laughs> this is exactly my kind of strange dream addled nonsense that i'm super about so uh yeah i'm absolutely going to read more of this and watch the anime uh, how about you, Matt? Uh, I've already read all of this, so... Um, well, yeah, okay. I can't so. retroactively unread it. <laughs> <laughs> and Jacob? I definitely want to read more of this, especially because whilst there are there are a couple of places where, like, it, like, it was, like, paneling problems. Like, I, I know that there are some places where this story does the trick of, of trying the non-sequitur and it doesn't necessarily work. But, like, there are so many places where... Like, like for example, the thing with the door... In the moment, it feels like a mistake, but also it has sold me on this idea that that's going that 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 I noticed something that was wrong intentionally. So like I, that that kind of thing is going to immediately suck me in, and and more so just because again, like it some some minor issues with certain elements of paneling and and like speech bubble placement. Oh man, I'm looking forward to watching the anime because anime can't have problems with speech bubble placement that's not a thing that's even possible so you know i mean you know it, it take it taking something that's that's already really freaking great and you know being able to you know polish off that one like like little tiny smudge that you can't help but notice that doesn't make the doesn't make the whole painting you know any less grand but like you kind of your eye gets drawn to it as soon as you notice it get you know losing that is just i think gonna make this uh something really special indeed and uh thank you everyone 
that brings us to the end of the show for uh and uh that brings us to the end of the show so uh thank you everyone once again for listening to the over manga cast as always you can find us on all of your social medias where we are at over manga cast on facebook twitter and instagram uh we are also on youtube where the episodes go up uh two weeks after they go up uh, everywhere else and it's a good place to leave comments on an individual episode send us any uh recommendations that you have for uh, other series we can check out uh when we have a opening in the schedule we'd love to uh throw those in for you mm -hmm. and as always we appreciate reviews in any and all forms but itunes is cool uh just anything uh and you know what we don't normally say this but go ahead and make it five stars you know we own it come on be cool <laughs> don't be a narc don't be a narc like be cool. new <laughs> be cool be cool <laughs> And uh, tune in next week, where I'm excited for this one. Uh, we are going to be reading Mob Psycho 100, chapters 1 through 19. Uh, get ready for that one. I am very excited for this. I have not read the manga on this one, so this is going to be exciting. This is going to be good. Is it uh, going to be a problem if I haven't read the first 99? <laughs> good night, everybody. Good night, everybody. That didn't answer my question. I have so much reading to do.